With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Episode number 27. Episode 27 of Sports Cards Live. Tonight, my guest is Chris Barr, product basketball product manager for Panini America. But before we bring him on, I do want to, as always, thank the last couple of guests. Back last Saturday, we had Sean Chalk, who is the Wayne Gretzky of Wayne Gretzky Collectors. What an amazing conversation we had. Tons of insight. He shared some amazing experiences that he's had with Wayne Gretzky himself. Be sure to check that video out. It lives on the YouTube channel, Sports Cards Live. I ask you go have a look, have a look, have a listen if you haven't seen it yet. Also want to thank Adam, the Real 27 guy, who was my guest last Wednesday for episode 26. And boy, we went for two hours and 25 minutes, which is unbelievable. I know it's a long time, but... We covered so much and it was such an interesting conversation. So if you guys have the time or the wherewithal, please go check out that video as well. It also lives on the YouTube channel. If you are new to Sports Cards Live, I thank you for watching. I thank tonight's guest, Chris Barr, for bringing additional viewers to the channel. And I would ask if you wouldn't mind considering it to please go and subscribe to the channel. Greatly appreciate that. Coming up on Wednesday will be Grant Sandground. Grant is the Director of of, uh, Product Development at Upper Deck. And then on July the 22nd, episode number 30 of Sports Cards Live, my guest will be none other than the most iconic name in the history of this hobby, Dr. James Beckett. Uh, And actually pretty cool, he invited me to be a guest on his podcast. So we're going to be recording that, I think, the night before he's on this show. And I'm not sure when he'll release it, but that should be pretty cool. I'm flattered and very honored and very excited to be a guest on his podcast. Also want to just say, hey, thanks to everybody because the channel hit 600 subscribers this week. So really happy about that. I want to thank everybody who's uh, who's subscribed. I want to thank you all for subscribing and for all the continued viewing it's really, uh, it's just really flattering and, and amazing. So thank you everybody for watching these videos. Um, I also want to mention I was a guest on the Conversations with Chris, episode five on the House of Jordans podcast uh, about two weeks ago. So check that out on the House of Jordans YouTube channel, episode five of the Conversations with Chris. I was the guest. We had a, an awesome discussion as well. So let's get on with tonight. Tonight, my guest again is Chris Barr. Chris is the product basketball product manager 
at Panini America. And uh, let's just bring him out and then we're going to talk about how we know each other. So Chris Barr, welcome to episode 27 of Sports Cards Live. How are you doing tonight, my man? Doing great, man. Happy to be here. Uh, congrats on all the success. And it sounds like you got a busy lineup coming up this week. So, <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's been a blast. You know, the guests keep on coming, and uh, and I'm fortunate to have some amazing guests, yourself included. I mean, let's face it, <laughs> basketball is super hot right now. Panini yeah. Prism is like all the rage, and uh, you're involved in creating that product. So we're going to talk about creating products and uh, and and a lot a lot more things here. We're going to get to that. Before we do, we're just going to welcome people to the show. Let's see who's here with us tonight. Uh, Super Striker, you are first. You are first. Anonymous Facebook user. I think that might be uh, Scott. I'm not sure, but I just want to say, if anyone is watching on Facebook and you haven't yet gone to StreamYard.com and clicked on the big blue button, you can see it right there. See StreamYard.com slash Facebook. Click the big blue button. You only have to do it once ever, and then we will be able to see who you are and address you more directly, which I like to do. It's more personal. So please do that. And then we will get you involved again. Ziggy in the house as usual. Ziggy, welcome and good evening. Uh, yeah, another an, another fa anonymous Facebook user. Again, please go to streamyard.com slash Facebook and click the big blue button, everybody. Scott, good evening. Bill, welcome to the show. Scott's here, another Scott. House of Jordans, Chris, welcome to the show, guys. Super Striker, Chris Spar used to have a... A hot hockey collection. He, st he still has some hockey cards. We will get to that a little bit later. Uh, who else is in the room? Irving in the room. Irving, welcome to the show as always. Amit, welcome and thank you for the 600 win club. Very happy about that. Stefan, welcome to the show. Basketball is cool and all, but hockey trumps. Hey, some of us do feel that way, but I think we like basketball too, don't we, Stefan? I know I sure do. Uh, the personal finance at PFD. Chris, welcome to the show. What is up? What is up? Ziggy's already pumping out the questions. Are you hiring and how do I get a job with Panini Basketball? Message him later. Michelangelo in the house. Can't wait to watch the show tomorrow. Have to be up in three hours. Get some rest. Watch it tomorrow. Thank you for saying hello. We do appreciate it. All right. And Corey in the house. Chris, good to see you. That's You know Corey. All right. So welcome everybody who's watching. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I'm excited about this one because, well, I say, I know, I say that every show. I say I say it every show. And uh, you know what? But I'll tell you why in this in this why this one is a little bit. Oh, look who's here too! It was Lisa. It was you, Lisa. Right. Welcome to the show. It's so much nicer knowing who's in the room. And hey, Lisa, Lisa, you're someone I've known for gosh, my whole national existence. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Super Striker says hockey is great too, though. Yeah, it is. Okay, so Chris, we have known each other. I mean, we were trying to figure it out yesterday, but going back to to probably like the early two thousands uh online in like on like the beckett message boards and then we all transitioned over a lot of us to hobby insider yourself included you were a moderator there for a lot of years i now actually am the lead administrator on that particular uh message board forum but uh we we knew each other on the internet but we've actually known each other in person going back probably 15 years ago to the old toronto expos um what do you remember about some of those older days uh oh man uh <laughs> so much to go. I mean, I remember the old uh, Beckett forums, the old buy sell trade area, meeting so many great people, working on my uh, Lindros collection, knowing if I pulled any good jets or Howard Chucks, I, I needed to get a hold of you. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then, like you mentioned, the transition to Hobby Insider when uh, we started up that forum and made it all pretty much hockey centric. 
But uh, I mean, nothing beats those uh, Toronto Expos. Uh, the two two times a year, uh, I look forward to going up there for the fall and the spring expo. Uh, I met so many, uh, you know, people from the forums, uh, you know, so many great dealers, uh, collectors, uh, people I've been trading with for years, finally got to put a face to the name. Um, it, was, it was just a great time. I look forward to doing it every year. Yeah, man. Same here. I love going to the expo. I remember you'd always, you know, I've been setting up there for a lot of years. You'd always come by the booth, kind of peek in the showcase to see what was happening, maybe look for a flyers card or something like that. That's when you were living uh at that time were you living in philadelphia or was that were you living elsewhere uh, i think i might have been in vegas at the time uh I, i'm a former military so i moved around a lot my dad was military too but i think uh when i got uh hot and heavy into everything i was in vegas because i think uh, my beckett id and uh all my hobby insider stuff was vegas puck because you know there was no hockey in vegas way back then uh so and i liked hockey so that was the name i came up with so yeah i was traveling from vegas going up to toronto a couple times a year just to you know feel what cold weather was like and, and go get some actual hockey cards. There you go. There you go. And, and now, now you're working on, on basketball cards. And just to get it out of the way, you did work on, on hockey. When you first started at Panini, we're going to come back to this later, but just so the viewers know, you came into Panini really uh, working on the hockey brand and then, or brands. And then you went and you have been on the basketball side of things now since Panini lost the hockey license or no longer has one after the 13, 14 years. Is that right? Uh, well, I started out with hockey, like you said, uh, for the first couple of years. And then uh, when uh, we lost that license, uh, I tr actually transitioned over to the NFL. So I worked on uh, NFL trading cards for a few years. And then after uh, after that, I had, there was an opportunity to uh, work on our digital trading card apps, our football Panini Blitz and uh, basketball Panini Dunk apps. So uh, jumped all over that because it was new and exciting. I uh, worked on that for a few years. Uh, I'm still working on that, actually. Uh, and then uh, there was uh, an opportunity to move over to uh, the, to work on basketball. Uh, we have a great basketball team already in place, but uh, as you know, this this basketball season and last season has just been so explosive. I mean, uh, there's an, we have an amazing team there, and they were looking for someone that could possibly help fill in or help uh, you know maybe give some new uh, ideas and things we could possibly do. And I. Uh, was more than willing to go jump in and help with the basketball team. So uh, I've probably been with them for the past, you know, seven, eight months or so working on basketball products. Awesome, man. That's fun. And that's what we're all the, all the heat is right now. So back to, back to kind of our relationship though, and the, the history of it. So, you know, we knew each other through the, the card shows, we knew each other through the message boards, but then I, it felt like I hadn't seen you or really communicated with you in probably half a dozen years or so. And then yeah. And then last summer in August, I'm walking the the aisles at the National, and you're like, I hear Jeremy, Jeremy, and I turn around there. Oh, hey, Chris, man, long time no see, and it was it was a it was nice to have a little mini reunion with you at the at the National and kind of catch up after so long. And you know, yeah. things times change, time goes by, and it, it, you know, it was a just great to see you and catch up. Then I was really uh, really excited to see you that time. Um, also, want to mention that you know I've mentioned on the show before I was fortunate enough uh, as a collector to have the experience of going to a, a, an Upper Deck Packout for Upper Deck's hockey product, the Cup, back in 2009 mm -hmm. for the for the 0809 year. And you, as far as I know, you're the only other person who got to go to a Packout for a product like the Cup as a non-card company employee. You went the year before I did, which maybe mm -hmm. was what opened the door for me to get to go the subsequent year because they had you the they had you in 08, they had me in 09. And um, I think that's a good sort of segue into 
how you ended up getting your job at Panini. So do you want to kind of let us know how did you get your job at Panini in the first place in 2012? And after that, I want to hear a bit about your collector history and what got you in the hobby in the first place. Sure. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I was big on the uh, hobby forums, uh, big time collector <clears throat> was, a. Uh, in the initial uh, diamond club that uh, upper deck had for their, for their uh, exclusive collectors uh, through all that, you know, I met Carvin, uh, I'm sure all your, all your guys know. Uh, and Carvin's a great guy. We, we used to talk on the phone all the time. We come up with ideas for sets and this was back when he was at a uh, upper deck. And uh, I happened to be living in San Antonio at the time. Uh, and their pack out was here in Dallas. And, uh, you know, he asked if I wanted to come up and uh, help them, you know, pack out the products and, you know, you know, getting to see behind the uh, curtain and, you know, for the, their highest end brand, I jumped all over that. Uh, didn't realize how much work it was going to actually be. It's <laughs> probably the reason I didn't go that second year and you went instead. Thank but you. Uh, Thank it, it was definitely an eye-opening experience. Uh, and, you know, I was uh, I was pretty close to Carvin. Uh, even after that, we, we talked, you know, almost every day for, for a long, long time, you know, talking about what's coming out, like uh, memorabilia prices, uh, checklists, uh, set ideas. Uh, and then over those years, he uh, made the transition over to Panini America to go uh, run the, their hockey department. And uh, they had an opening for their hockey brand manager position. Um, I happened to be in a good spot where I didn't want to be sitting behind my desk doing code, pro pro computer programming at the time. So uh, he uh, asked me if I was interested. I, I applied for the position, uh, did a couple phone interviews, flew up, did uh, an extensive full day interview. I, I can't remember all the people I talked to. I think I talked to all the different uh, sport directors. Uh, I even talked to guys in our acquisitions departments who get autographs. I think I talked to our uh, editorial group. Uh, I think they all just wanted to make sure that I, I was you know, qualified to do it. And I wasn't just a, a friend of Carvin who was going to come in there to, 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 you know, wing it. So uh, I guess I must have done something right because they offered me the position and it's been you know, great ever since. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously, and, and Carvin's no longer there and you've last, so he brought you in, but he exited before you did and you're still there. So, hey, obviously yeah, you're doing cool. something, obviously you're, you're doing a good job there and building these sets out. So uh, <laughs> congratulations on that. So, I also want to point out for everybody watching right now, you know, Chris does collect cards. He's been a card collector his whole life, but he's also, you're, you're a bit into sneakers. I, I, yeah. I from following you on Instagram, I'm, I, I see when you have your sneaker of the day post and you know, you're either you got shut out and you didn't get the new release or you yeah. got it. So I just want to point out to all the viewers who are regular watchers of sports cards live. And again, I'll just take a second right now and say, if you're new to the show, uh, thank you for, tuning in. Chris, thank you for bringing additional viewers and for promoting the show on, on your social uh, today. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Uh, if you are new, please do consider subscribing. But if you've seen the show over and over again, you've maybe sort of noticed I don't have that much going on behind me in the background, just a bunch of collectibles. But tonight I did bring out something special. I brought out what are my only my only collectible, I consider my only collectible pair of, of, of sneakers. And these are a pair of Kobe's that I bought in March when I was in California on vacation. And they're the only pair of shoes I've ever purchased with the intention of not to wear. But it was shortly after he passed away. And uh, I thought they were awesome being so bright and yellow. So I put them out in honor of Chris uh, being on the show tonight and with a bit of a, a toast to basketball yeah. and Kobe and Kobe as well. Okay, so 
you've taken us through how you got the job at Panini. Um, and I think you even touched a bit on sort of your history as a collector. I mean, I know, you know, people who know you know that you collect, you've collected certain Philadelphia Flyers players pretty hardcore over the years. Um, are you still, do you still feel like you're a collector the way you were back then without getting into too much that we're going to discuss later? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I definitely still collect. I, I, I still, uh, I, I'm, I'm a uh, I'm a card lover to begin with. So, I mean, it, ever since I was a kid, you know, walk, going to the card shop with my dad, open those first packs back in the mid 80s, you know, uh, trading all my Gretzky's for all the Ron Hextall cards I could find, which wasn't maybe the smartest thing to do at the time, but I didn't care. I was all about the Flyers. Uh, going through the whole Eric Lindros craze when he was drafted. So I, you know, I went hardcore. I was, that was my passion. That was my love. I was just trading cards or, you know, trying to get as many uh, Flyers or Lindros cards as I could. And uh, so yeah. That, I mean, and that's going back 30 years now when Eric Lindros was, was drafted. Yeah. Or- yeah I mean, that's, <laughs> right. I, don't know, I guess I'm showing my age now, but yeah, this is before the internet. And before uh, that thing called eBay, where, you know, if I wanted a card of uh, Lindros or Hextall, I had to go through the, uh, what, Sports Collectors Digest or the Beckett and actually call up a shop that had an ad in their magazine or I'd have to, you know, write a letter and then do a mail order for the card because you couldn't couldn't just click a button online and get it shipped to you. Sounds so archaic compared to the systems we have in place now, for sure, for sure. So it's interesting for the viewers who maybe don't know you that, you know, the guy who is uh, one of the basketball product managers at Panini America is a card guy. And I think it's important because in knowing Carvin, knowing yourself, it's apparent to me that you guys have, when, when you're designing sets, when you're building out sets, planning them, you are taking, you're looking at it through the lens of the collector, along with through the lens of someone working for the card company. You're you're trying to balance it. You're almost there, uh, looking out for the collector, which I think is is really important and awesome. A couple more comments that have come through. We're just going to get to these. Uh, Amish Dave Archer says, "Always great to still have folks around in the hobby from the old Beckett buy sell trade days, mess- the Beckett message boards days, for sure." Michelangelo says, what branch of service? My dad was in the Army and my brother is in the Air Force. Which branch were uh, were you a part of? Uh, Me and my father were both Air Force. Both Air Force. There you go, Michelangelo. Uh, Billy says, the Vegas Puck website used to be a ridiculous, used to be ridiculous when the rest of us had plain text Beckett trading pages. (laughs) Chris's web presence was ahead of its time. Shout out to you there, Chris. Super Striker says, Jeremy should talk about what that cup packaging was like. Um, (laughs) On another episode, I will. I will for sure. Uh, weren't you in Cali, LA represent? I don't know if you were, Chris. And which sport, PLJ says, which sport allows for the most creativity when creating sets? That's an interesting one. You want to just sort of knock that one out quickly, Chris? Well, I think uh, pretty much every sport allows uh, a full range of creativity. So, uh, you know, you have different challenges with uh, for different sports, you know, types of memorabilia you have. The types of photography or uh, what, which athletes you have, but you know, um, you you might be uh, limited to a little two by three piece of cardboard. But what the imagination that goes into building that card is pretty much endless. You know, they can almost do anything you can think of. So yeah, I've always found it pretty amazing that you know you're dealing with it's like eight and a quarter square inches of real estate, and the the. The variations, the different looks that a card can take—it's—it's it's like infinite on such a small piece of 
real estate, really. It's pretty amazing. Georgetown Vintage wants to say thank you for your service as the super striker. Ziggy wants to know if he can ask a question. No, Ziggy, not yet. I'll let you know when. No, I'm just kidding, Ziggy. Ask a question whenever you want. If it's on point, I will bring it up for sure. Uh, personal Finance that says, we're an Air Force family as well. Thanks for your service. Ziggy says, really love Panini basketball. Would you consider working on a program to allow for photo and monitor NTRPAs? Jeremy did a project for hockey with NT prices. I think it would be great to do. So he's asking about archiving the images, Chris. Um, can you speak to that? Uh, you know, that's definitely something I think we'd be open to because I, I know uh, there's a lot of forgeries out there. People are doing the, the fake patching and stuff. But, I mean, we do have security measures in place in cards that people aren't aware of on, on all our memorabilia cards to make sure that the pieces are authentic and they're of the players they have. Um, but yeah, it's, that, that's, I, I know collectors that have been passionate about uh, wanting to make sure that their cards are legit or that uh, patches aren't faked. And it's something we love to look into to see, uh, you know, how, how feasible that is. Cause I mean, at the same point, I mean, NT, yeah, there's a, it's a smaller set, but if we're going to, if you want to do something like that, you're going to, you're going to also do it for your flawlesses, your eminence and other brands. So now you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of cards. Okay. Okay. So something you guys are considering is just a matter of executing a point or maybe. Um, um, it's, it's something I'm, I'm sure that, you know, we'll, we'll definitely look into or consider. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Questions are coming in. Uh, Harvin says, "Given welcome to the show. Thank glad to have you again." Ziggy says he's he's happy working. There we go. He's happy to volunteer to do the photo. Like uh, I did it up her deck that year. Lisa wants to know, Chris, are you still collecting the cup hockey mostly, or have you moved off of hockey? Uh, my, I, I still oh. uh, pick up some hockey cards now and then. Uh, Mostly it's, it's still my flyers, but I've added the, the golden Knights. So it's usually the mainstays, the few, the future watch, uh, from SPA, the young guns from UD, uh, the cup, it might be a little out of my, uh, uh, price range, the way that stuff's going lately. But, uh, you know, I'm always looking to picking up a, a nice Carter Harbor too. Well, and to all the basketball guys out there, I mean, this is just so you know, a lot of a lot of we a lot of basketball collectors are starting to look at hockey, pick up the odd hockey card now. Um, and uh, if you know that one of the guy who one of the guys that's creating the basketball sets is is collects hockey cards, I don't know. That's maybe another reason to look at hockey for yourself. Okay, I, I mean, I'm just trying to help grow the hockey market. Um, <laughs> Super Striker has a couple questions which we are going to come to actually. Uh, well, let's just do them now quickly. We'll bang them out. So two questions, Chris. How are Panini America connected with Panini uh, Europe? And uh, who's the most famous player you've talked to or interacted with? Oh, uh, well, I'm guessing the Panini Europe brand. That's a, a, a one of our sister branches. So we have Panini offices all over the world. Brazil, Germany, Japan, I, I think. Uh, Italy, of course. Uh, so, you know, they run their different type of distribution and products out there. And then of course we have the, uh, trading card market and, uh, sticker albums here in the U S but yeah, we have offices all over the globe. So it's not just a uh, Panini America. It's, it's Panini worldwide. Okay. <laughs> and as far as the most famous player I've met, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, there, there's been a lot of big names, especially with, you know, going, getting to go to these, uh, uh, photo shoots every year, uh, you know, do the football ones, the basketball ones, but we've had some pretty big, uh, 
uh, VIP parties at the national uh, and things like that. But I mean, the one I'll never forget is when we had uh, Eric Lindros at our Toronto party. You know, he was my boyhood idol and I got to hang out with that guy all night long. Uh, basically by his side, it was kind of like his liaison and uh, hanging out with him and his wife, just chatting. And, you know, I probably uh, talked his ear off. I felt, you know, felt like a, a like a 10 year old kid hanging out with him, with my hero. So that that's definitely the, the probably the best moments I've been working here. Car- Carvin has an opinion on that. He says probably Ovechkin. He still remembers that night. Uh, that was pre-Panini Carvin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know what? Um, pretty awesome. Actually, Ziggy, your question is is, is an excellent question uh, because uh, the first one. So this is a question, Chris, that we already discussed talking about. And, okay. um, and Ziggy's going to ask it. So let's let Ziggy ask the question. He says, can you kindly explain and sell me as a basketball collector on the on the blockchain product. I want to like it. So Chris, and this is something that I wanted to cover because I find this very interesting as well. I find the whole concept of blockchain interesting mm-hmm. just as, as a technology. Uh, can you maybe educate people on what you guys are doing with blockchain and try and even sell them on it if you want? Yeah, I'll, I'll do uh, absolutely do my best uh, to my ability to explain it. Uh, I mean, the blockchain is basically its own little digital universe where uh, we that we have on uh, the Panini site, uh, on our Panini servers where you own the digital version of a trading card and it's, it's yours forever. Uh, no matter what happens, uh, you have the rights to that card. We keep track of ownership of the cards. You're able to auction and sell your cards for real money to other users and transfer ownership of that card. Uh, you don't have to worry about uh, shipping, shipping cards or trading. It's they're all instant transactions. Uh, there are multiple ways to acquire the digital only cards that are on the blockchain. We have, uh, uh, we sell the cards directly on our Panini website. So if, uh, we usually run those in auction type formats where you can bid, I think we have Prism up right now, Prism autograph, uh, memorabilia cards. Uh, and you can bid on players like, uh, I think we had Zion up a few days ago. Uh, I, I want to think. I want to say that his logo man autograph went for like forty-two thousand dollars or somewhere around that amount. Um, with some huge names. Uh, you can also get redemption cards and some of our higher end products like Flawless National Treasures. Uh, I think we're going to have them in uh, Immaculate Basketball this year. And you can take those codes, redeem it onto our blockchain site, and you'll get a brand new, fresh uh, blockchain card in your blockchain account. Um, some of the cards that we do offer on the website also come with a physical counterpart. So not only do you get a digital version of that card, for example, that Zion Williamson logo, man, we'll also mail you the physical version. So you can have, you can keep the physical version for yourself and then you're free to trade around the digital version in our blockchain area on our website as much as you want, sell it to other collectors or do whatever you like with it. All right, that's cool, and that that did address. Uh, sorry, not that one, but there was a question down below or a comment by Simon Meredith says it's all about having physical copies for me. So, sure, so sure. You- I mean, uh, it's it's a we're talking about there's a big generation gap, I think, there because I mean, for us old school guys, you're always going to want to have the card in hand. You know, you always want to open your cards. But if you look at the amount of money that's being spent in digital space, not only Bitcoin, but how much kids are spending on Fortnite skins that just change the appearance of a character in a game. I mean, uh, we're always looking for different avenues to, to appeal to 
all kinds of collectors. You just don't want to focus in on one group of collectors. We, we want to expand it because if we can bring more people in, whether it's digitally or through sticker albums or something else, it's only going to improve everybody else's collections because you're going to have more people, more demand, more buyers, more traders. So while I, I definitely understand the fact that people only like the physical version, bringing in digital collectors uh, isn't going to hurt the market at all. And you are pairing it with a physical copy that you are shipping to the customer as well, which does somewhat really uh, appease that desire that collectors have to have them in hand. Yeah, so for sure. I think yeah, for some of the cards, they do have a physical version. So you get the best of both worlds. And then some we have just digital versions. So yeah, there, there's a, you know, we reach out to the both types of collectors. All right, cool. Thank you for answering that question. Uh, I'm gonna whip through. I'm gonna whip through a couple more questions here, Chris. We will whip through a few more, and then we're gonna kind of get back to the the agenda for the evening. Because I do wanna, I do want you to speak about what your job is. What what goes into being a brand manager? What goes into designing a set of cards? And what sort of decisions and processes do you guys go through as a company? But before that. Steven has a question here. Are any players signed with Panini for the next draft? Uh, NBA draft? I'm assuming. I'm, I'm assuming he's it's NBA draft. Um, I'll just say that we're gonna, we've are gonna we got uh, pretty much uh, all, all the big name players we need to have. Uh, that we, we should be good. So uh, next year is going to be just as exciting as this year. Okay, awesome. And I mean, Ziggy's, Ziggy's filled with great questions. And this next one, Chris, it's another good one. And it would have come up a little bit later, I think. But let's let, let's address it now because it's it's interesting. He asks, how will Panini manage basketball products this year with the draft in October? Will all NBA products be delayed until players are on teams? How are you managing autos in the COVID era? Is this something that you can speak to tonight? Sure, yeah. Um, as far as managing the autos, I think it's uh, actually been kind of helped us uh, a bit because uh, players are at home. They're not able to go out. So they're sitting there with their box of cards. They've got nothing to do. They've got to sign their stuff. Uh, we've seen a steady steady flow of cards coming in for, for a bunch of our products. When we're seeing uh, higher levels uh, for live autographs and products, uh, I know we've uh, Donruss Elite that just came out. We just released on, on the website for basketball. I think we were well over 90% live autographs in that. So, uh, uh, I mean, it's I know it's it's, a, it's kind of rough with everybody staying home in quarantine, but at the same time, it, it might be helping us a little with getting our autographs in-house. Um, and as far as uh, the basketball products, yeah, uh, the new NBA schedule is definitely going to affect us. Uh, we, we've we're probably going to do some uh, juggling maybe because, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we're featuring the uh, new rookie class on their new teams uh, when we release hoops uh, at the start of the next uh, card season. So uh, we're still up in the air whether I think whether we're even going to have a rookie photo shoot this year, we may have to do something, uh, something different. Uh, uh, but we'll, we'll have to, we'll just address that when we find out what the, what the actual plan is going to be. Uh, but I mean, basketball collectors shouldn't sweat it. We've got a few huge surprises coming up for the uh, end of the year, uh, end of the card year. Uh, we've gonna, we're going to have more opportunities for you guys to chase after Zion, Jaw, and this insane rookie class right now. So we're going to have a, a couple of new brands and uh, a couple of other brands that are going to be re released uh, across multiple different ways, of, you know, retail-wide, hobby-exclusive, uh, online-exclusive. So. 
So you guys are you guys are kind of being as proactive as you can, being as reactive. Unfortunately, this we're not. It's funny we're in a, an era. I think we're all in an era right now where you're you're being as proactive as you can be based on these this this new normal. If you, you know that we're all calling it, but you're all you can do is react as things come up. You you can you can only plan for so many uncertainties yeah. until you just have to wait and see what comes down from the government and other other areas, and then you can actually make your decisions on how you're moving forward. So I think that's a it's we're I think all businesses are sort of struggling with with that how we are strategizing for the next six to 12 months but it's certainly very interesting for the card companies with uh sports being delayed no doubt ziggy uh thank you for your questions and uh and you're on break now for 30 minutes okay buddy no problem no problem um okay man lots lots of questions still coming in here but we're gonna hold off on them on any more for now chris because i want to know about what it's like at panini working there number one in terms of like, what is the, what's the culture there? Like just when you go into work, are there you know, a bunch of sports fans working together, having a great time, making cards? Is it stressful? Are the deadlines stressful to get cards out, all that? And then let's hear about what really goes into a day of work. And I'll, I'll kind of give you a, a bit more direction on that. Uh, I mean, as far as the uh, work, work environment, the our product development team is pretty much all big time collector. They've been involved in the hobby and uh, some form or another, uh, you know, for their for their careers, whether they came from Beckett, uh, from the old Donruss days, or uh, Fleer, uh, we've got some of the most knowledgeable people in the hobby working with us. Um, I know the basketball team I work with; uh, they've been working on basketball ever since I started there. David Porter's leaving, leading our group. Keith Howard's been there for as you know as long as I can remember. Uh, Lucas uh, is our other brand manager for basketball, and he came over from our editorial department. Guy is uh, a whip when it comes to basketball knowledge. And our newest guy, we added Brandon. Uh, he's a huge basketball collector himself, and he you know, he's teaching me something new every day. So um, we all, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, group of people that we work with. It's, it's really team, uh, team-based. There's really no eyes there. We we can't get anything out to the consumer without the full effort of everybody in each department doing their job. Um, as far as stress, is it stressful? Yeah. When you're working on uh, 20 to 30 brands and you're trying to make sure you're hitting your deadlines, there's always going to be stress involved. But, you know, but at the end of the day, we're, but you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're making sports cars, right? We're not curing cancer. We're not on the front lines, you know, we're working on the COVID stuff like some of those workers. So you, you kind of take it in stride. Um, you were just, you know, basically just happy to be able to do something you love. Awesome, man. Hey, that that's kind of what I want to hear as a, as a collector is that the guys making these cards are enjoying it and that they're, they're working in a collaborative environment and, uh, and that you're sports fans, you kind of know what what's going on behind the scenes or kind of what, what, what collectors want and what sports fans want. So that's pretty cool. I just want to uh, mention to um, Scott, we're going to get to your ta- your question a little later. Georgetown Vintage, we're not really asking any sales questions tonight because Chris is in product development. He is not on the sales team, so we're not going to address that this evening. Uh, Frankie3500, welcome to the show as always. Uh, here, Simon, here's a question. Will there still be products from this year being released into next year? No, our uh, for basketball, I believe our last 1920 program should be out by November, maybe early, maybe early December, somewhere around that time frame. Uh, and then we'll actually have a few 2021 products that will be out at the very end of the year. So yeah, 
Okay. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fun a fun schedule of events coming up. Okay, Steve wants to know: Is Panini going to have instant cards covering the restart games? And I just want to mention: I'm seeing some names here I haven't seen before, so I want to yeah. welcome you guys. I want to welcome you guys to the show. I want to thank uh, Chris and Panini for bringing more viewers to to this channel, Sports Cards Live. And I ask you guys if you'll consider, please do go to the the channel, subscribe to if you haven't yet, consider subscribing to this. I'd appreciate it, like the video and all that sort of thing to help it out. And uh, we'll continue uh, getting through some more questions here. And then we are going to get back to talking about a day in the life and really what goes into designing a set. But we're getting a lot, a lot of action here. So let's keep on running through it. Um, Irving, I don't know what that means. So I just can't ask it. Uh, Amit says, has Panini released more product insert variation than in past years? I seem to see a lot more, but that could be because even my mom is busting Walmart. We're going to get to that later. I didn't know what it was at first, but we are definitely going to get to that one a little bit later. Um, okay. So... Chris, let's talk about building out a set. So we chatted quite extensively over the last couple of days and you explained it to me and I, I had a couple of kind of sound bites that I picked out. So things that I'm just going to put out there just to tweak your memory. And then if you could take us through, like you did with me, what goes into building out a set? So things like allocating the memorabilia, budgeting the autographs, the engineering process, um, can you just take us through what goes into building out a set and what are you guys thinking about and some of the key decisions you have to make? Yeah, uh, sure. Um, you know, most projects that we work on, we're working about uh, anywhere from six to eight months out in advance. Uh, some of the stuff I'm working on now won't be released until probably March or April of next year. So, uh, and then, of course, we're continually working on the different uh, product lifecycle of programs throughout that range. Um, typically, when we're creating a brand, we just start off with a whiteboard brainstorming session. Um, now, it may be a brand that we've done in previous years, like, say, Prism, for example. So we'll, we'll examine uh, you know, what worked, what didn't work, what should be changed, does it need changing, uh, do we need new content, do we need to look at different areas? Um, do we have a different uh, way to sell it, whether it's direct, you know, overseas with the new T-Mall or, or some other format? Uh, you know, how much, how many cards are going to go into a pack? How many packs are going to go in a box? How many boxes in a case? Uh, how many different inserts we'll have? How many different uh, memorabilia cards we'll have? How many different autographs are we going to need? What's the average cost per autograph gonna gonna take to to create the product? Um, and this is just all the initial stage of, of of just creating the set. And then it may be something entirely new if we're just coming up with a new set. Uh, you know, because it, it's kind of easier when you're looking at a set from last year because you already know what's what's won or lost in the from a previous year. Uh, it's a little more difficult when you're trying to come up something from scratch. So. Um, and then once we get we get the uh, brainstorming session done, you know we'll converse as a team. Uh, we'll get the other sports involved because you I mean you don't want to just have your input involved in it. You know you, you want to make sure hey you know ask the football team hey what's working for you guys with you know select football this year or ask the baseball guys what's working for you guys what have, what have you noticed that people have liked and then you can kind of incorporate that into your own products as well. Um, and then once we get the, uh, the brainstorming session done, then we'll, uh, start considering, uh, what kind of card designs we want to look at on the card. You know, should it be a horizontal photo? Does it need to be a, a special game photo? Does it need to be, uh, uh what size swatch do we want to have it on the cards? And we'll hand that over to our design team. And then our design team will take all our specs, you know, what kind of, uh, is it, 
clear acetate? Is it a hollow board? Is it OptiChrome or whatever it is? How many colors do we want? How much foil do we want? And they'll come up with some uh, pretty spectacular designs for us. We'll sit down with them. We'll review the designs. Uh, we'll see if we have any changes to make or, you know, for the most part, they knock it out of the park. But, you know, we want to make sure we're all on the same page with that. So then uh, after we've got the designs ironed out, uh, then we actually have to go and engineer the, the, the uh, program because uh, just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean it's actually going to print that well. So we have a fantastic production team that kind of keeps us in check and lets us know what we can or can't do on cards. Uh, you know, if maybe we're using too much foil or maybe there's a better way to use the foil or they might know that we're trying to achieve a certain look to the card, but there's a better way to do it. So we'll kind of go through a whole engineering process with that and uh, make sure that we're, we're uh, making the cards look the, the best they can. And then we, we then we still haven't even gotten to the uh, checklist yet. So <laughs> once we get past all that engineering phase, then we can start looking at a checklist, uh, autograph content, uh, memorabilia checklists and things like that. <clears throat> Uh, our photo and editorial departments, they'll start, once they've received the checklist, they'll start working on <clears throat> pulling photos, uh, doing the fancy uh, copy on the back of the card, you know, what, what, you know, what's uh, Zion's favorite pregame meal, things like that. Something unique for the collectors to read on the back of the cards. Uh, then once the photos are pulled, that'll go through a whole entire co uh, color processing check, make sure that the color, the color's corrected so it's going to look good on cardboard because a lot of the times uh, the photography we get are, you know, they're taken in arenas or at, you know, outdoor event venues and it may not translate well to cardboard. So we've got an entire pre-press section that takes every one of those photos and they have to crop it the right way. They may have to outline a player because, you know, uh, when we get photos from, uh, uh, from our vendors, we don't, you know, you don't get a, just the player itself. You get a full background. So there may be things we have to uh, take out of the backgrounds. There may be, uh, maybe we want to take out the entire background. So if you're looking at a 300 card set like Prism, all 300 photos for just the base set have to go through that entire process. So then once the uh, color corrections are done and pre-press is done, we ha they hand it over to our assembly team. They'll plop the photo inside the card designs. We every, Then every team looks at it and gets to review the cards, make sure it's what we're wanting. Look at the fronts, look at the backs, proof it. Then they'll send it over to the printers. And then once it hits the printers, we get the fun job of figuring out how are we gonna collate all these cards we just built. So <laughs> we gotta make sure that the parallels are dropping at the right rate, that the autos are dropping at the right rate, that <clears throat> all our collectors are getting the value that they should when they're buying a box. So we pass off that plan to the printers. Uh, they box it up uh, according to our, our plans. Then we'll go QC it, make sure uh, it's dropping the way it should, and then it's on its way to your doorstep. Or or the re the retailer on the way there for sure. Yeah. Well, Matt, you know, I, I just want to say thank you for that detailed sort of taking us through the process because it's always been interesting to me. I I hope it's interesting to the people watching. If it isn't, I so I'm sorry for boring you, but I found that to be incredibly interesting, and um, it, it's nice to. You know, I've heard it from some other. Uh, people from some other card companies as well along the way. And you you hear the same sort of terminology like pre-press, engineering. Um, and it's just, it's nice to know that, uh, that there is sort of a standard and that you guys are thinking these things through. I, I like to know that as a collector. 
Um, Irving, I can ask his question now because he told me what he was referring to. So he says, Chris, did you cop the smoke grays? I didn't no. know who that was until he said there's their sneakers or their shoes. So no, I took the L. Took the L on him. You took the L on him. Okay. And uh, Stephen, thank you for subscribing to the channel. I greatly appreciate it. Chris West has a question for you, Chris. Any particular idea for a card you really wanted to create that never ended up being done? Any great ideas that got shut down along the way? Man, there's been there's been a lot. I mean, uh, I, I guess you know that first year when I, when I joined Panini, you know, you come in and you're bright eyed, and you know, I'm going to change the hobby kind of thing. I'm going to do all these things I've thought of. And, you know, you just can't, you, you realize there, there's so many things you realize when you're working with the company, because you're working not with, with just our internal departments, but you've got, uh, there's legal rights, you know, who you can put on cards, who, who what are you able to do with it? You, you've got to get the league approvals, you know, NBA at the time it was NHL, NFL, you find out some players don't want to be paired on a card with somebody. And then you're like, you know, just totally throws you off. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there were, there were a lot of things we, we wanted to try uh, or player combinations that hadn't been done before. And that might explain to why they haven't been done. <laughs> Has there ever been a type of memorabilia or something you wanted to be able to embed within a card that you just, you know, for, for technical reasons you couldn't? Um, I don't, I don't know if the, we ever got to that point because I think, uh, I think we proved it with prime hockey that we could pretty much cut up anything and put it in a yeah. card. I think the one thing I, I wanted to do was I wanted to get, uh, like some melted ice and like put, maybe encapsulate it and, uh, have some, uh, little water in the cards. But, uh, you know, unfortunately we didn't have the hockey license long enough to try something like that. <laughs> I, I wonder if that water would, could freeze in shipment if it's coming to cold yeah. Canadian climates and then it's going to it's going to expand and now you got a whole issue on your on your table in terms of uh water leaking and in, into the rest of the packs yeah. maybe i'd love to see it but maybe not a great idea actually um sean has a question here do you ever notice autograph cards coming back from athletes that are damaged especially surface scratched oh yeah um 100 we uh every autograph that comes back from the uh from the athletes is cute is quality controlled by our acquisitions department so um, multiple times, the, the we'll have a, a an autograph that's maybe you know, smeared or smudged, uh, or a card that's damaged, and then those are removed, and then we'll make sure that we have a, another autograph card that, that takes its place um, to, for the actual pack out. Uh, you know, some of the times the damages that you may see on your cards, uh, the scratches or a ding, doesn't necessarily mean it came from the player that way because the entire packaging and printing process when they when they go and put these uh, cards in the big machines. Um, you know, sometimes those cards get damaged too. And most of the time they're able to pull them out and remove them. But uh, sometimes, unfortunately, they might make its way into a pack. Yeah, it's going to happen for sure. Okay. Um, Francisco has a question here that we were going to get to later, but hey, we may as well just blow up the order of things and uh, get right into it. Do you often look to previously released sets from different eras, the 80s and 90s, for inspiration for new sets? Oh, I am a huge 90s uh, guy, card collector. I mean, some of my favorite sets were, uh, you know, the crazy Pacific die cuts and uh, some of the other stuff that I've done. But uh, yeah, I mean, when you're doing a, a brand like, say, Select or, uh, you know, uh, you you can look back at some of the things that were, were big in the Select uh, name back in the mid-90s, you know. 
some of those mirror golds and some of those inserts, the Enfuegos were, were just beautiful cards. And, you know, you, I think you'd be uh, remiss not to go back and look at some of the things that were pretty su successful back in the 90s and bringing them back because, uh, you know, whether it's clothes, you know, or cars, whatever, retro ends up coming back into style again at some point. So for sure. May as well, may as well get ahead of it if you can and, and surprise us, right? So, okay, mm -hmm. Stefan wants to know, what do you like better, designing hockey products or basketball products? Well, uh, I don't know if it's well. The design team is the ones that doing all the designs. But as far as building, uh, it's it's two different monsters, I think. Because uh, when we were when we were working the hockey, the hockey collector and the basketball collector, they're two very different type of collectors. Uh, I know most hockey collectors I know are very player focused, or they're set focused, or maybe team focused. Uh, not maybe they don't they don't care so much about parallels as much they, you know they they like the big colorful patches you know what blackhawk fan isn't going to chase a big nine color patch from the logo and stuff um you know uh, basketball collectors are a completely different on a different level they you know they'll chase any color parallel uh the rarity of it uh you know how shiny the cards are it, it's uh so as far as which one I like better, I, I mean, I actually like both. I mean, I, I like building uh, building collections for for different types of, uh, of people. So um, you know, some some collections are more fun to build than others, but at least we have multiple brands to try to appease uh, both types of collectors. Okay, man, fair, fair, fair stuff. So Simon wants to know: Do you have the print run on sets before you go into production on them? Uh, yeah, as far as, uh, you know, we know how many uh, cases we're going to be building. We know how many cards it's going to take to fill those cases and fill those packs. So, yeah, well, we, we, we know the print runs on, uh, on most of the stuff. If not, we wouldn't know how many cards to print when we, <laughs> we build the product. Yeah. And you wouldn't know how much, how much stock to buy either, right? You, you, yeah, you kind of exactly. need to plan these. You got to know what you're doing yeah, before you go into production for sure. Well in advance. Yeah. Uh, Irving just wants to know quickly, is there any, anything that can be done about Cam Reddish's autograph? Ah. And, uh, <laughs> and Carvin says it was the same eye-opening first day experiencing experience for him too. And if you're watching, you don't know Carvin. Carvin basically brought uh, Chris into Panini, or, or I shouldn't say brought him in, but referred him in. And uh, Carvin worked at Upper Deck and Panini, now he's with GTS. So, and Carvin is the guy who's known for uh, really inventing uh, Exquisite and the Cup, uh, Real a, a legend in the hobby for sure. I love this question from Ziggy. Ziggy, you're on fire tonight. He says, "Are there tours of the production process? Are there videos of cards create of the cards being created? How are high end cards packed?" So really, it's like three questions, Chris. Yeah. If you don't mind, just take them one at a yeah, time. Sure. Um, I, I'm not. Well, we're definitely not doing tours right now. Now with the uh, the uh, quarantining going on, but uh, as far as videos of cars being created, I'm pretty sure our Knights uh, Lance blog that our marketing team and Tracy Hackler and Scotty Prusha and Jason Howard run. Uh, we've got we've had plenty of videos. In fact, I'm, Carvin's here. I remember we had videos of uh, old prime hockey when we went and actually took a, a I think it was a Lemieux jersey. And you could uh, watch us cutting it up with the big cutting machines in the back and pulling out the patches and showing collectors how the cards were made. Uh, I know they have a video out there of a Tom Brady jersey that they we cut up that he wore in a, one, a playoff game and showing it, you know, being built and put into cards. So, yeah, they they definitely have videos out there on our uh, Knights Lance blogs. And as far as high-end cards packed out, uh, you know, with our 
our, our uh, higher our higher ends like Eminence, uh, uh, Flawless, we actually pack that out by hand. And Jeremy can let you know exactly how painstaking that process is when you're dealing with thousands and thousands of cards and you're trying to make sure you're collating it and mixing it and putting value in every pack uh, and split, you know, spreading that value out. Um, it's all done by hand at, at our, uh, at our printing facility. Okay. I'm not going to put this one on screen just cause it's long, but another Ziggy, he, he basically wants to know, do you disclose the print runs of products a little after a certain period of time after they're, they're, uh, they're older and, uh, or are they considered top secret? And like, do you know how, for example, do you know how many Lucas Silvers are out there? And I know you, I know you can just kind of whip this answer off pretty yeah, quick. I mean, as far as, uh, you know, print runs, we do release print runs on some things. Like you'll see, uh, usually the marketing department will release, say, the contender uh, rookie ticket autograph short print and what some of those are maybe limited to. Now, we're not we're not about to let it, let out the print runs of all cards because, you know, we've got competition out there. We don't need people reverse engineering or seeing what's what what method we're using or trying to mimic what we're doing. So, um you know, for some things we, we, you know, we'll release print runs. We'll say something may have less than 20 or less than 15, but uh, you know, for the most part, if you're after the serial numbered stuff, you, the number is right there on the card though. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that, that's the obvious, uh, the obvious part there for sure. But on, on the regular stuff, uh, I think the, the short answer is no, they don't release them. No, they never will. And it's for competitive reasons and marketing reasons, I would, would be my guess. And I think if, uh, if I'm wrong, you'll jump in and correct me there. Um, okay, uh, Ziggy, another question. Are you guys looking at, at the Tops 2020 artist crossover, considering anything similar for basketball? Pretty, pretty pleased. He would love to see it. I, I will uh, echo that. I'd love to see something like that, too, for basketball. Uh, yeah, that, but uh, the Project 2020 thing, I, I've kind of looked at them, you know, noticed that from afar. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's something we may try, we may not try. You know, it, it's kind of a sensitive issue, too, because if you see somebody who's creating something like that, and then immediately we jump on that boat and we create a Project 2021 Panini something, then, you know, you, know, you may lose, uh, you may get some some flack for that or you know you made the trolls may come out look what they're doing trying to copy them kind of thing you know um it's it's unique what they did uh it's something that maybe maybe we could do an offering like that maybe we do something different in in a pack format maybe it's not an online direct who knows um but we're always watching the you know what's hot in the marketplace at the time and you know what what what's catching the eyes of collectors because you know for sure you want to make sure that you're building something that they like too yeah, I'm just going to put this up. Cardboard Max says, how many cards do you print? Well, that's kind of, uh, that, that's an impossible question to answer, but I just wanted to put it up there for, for a little chuckle because, I mean, it, it, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that one. But I do want to bring up Scott's question here. He said, well, it's not a question, it's a comment. He says, love me some parallels because this is something that came up earlier. I think uh, Amit brought up this topic and we were we have this plan to talk about. So I think we're at the point now where we can do this. Um, okay. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll ask the question, why so many parallels? Well, uh, you know, I think there's multiple reasons why. Um, for a, Let's say, let's just take, a, a, for example, a program like Prism or Donruss Optic. Um, we, we sell to uh, multiple marketplaces for that. It's not just hobby, you know, hobby. It's not just uh, Walmart. It's not just Target or Meyer or, or wherever. Um, 
we sell it in multiple formats too. You have blasters, you have megas, you have hangers, you have uh, gravity feed packs, right? So uh, when you're working on a, a program like Prism, you want to make sure whichever pack you're buying, whether it's a blaster or it's a mega or it's at your hobby shop, you're going to find something unique in that pack. Uh, I mean, if it was all the same, it, it might be sitting on the shelves longer, right? Uh, you know, so if you can put some compelling and some unique content in each one of those formats, well, then you know, you're more likely to buy it. If you can only find the red cracked ice version of the Prism card in a Walmart mega, then yeah, people are going to be chasing those mega boxes. So, uh, and plus, uh, I mean, when you're opening a box like Prism, the, you know, the, I think what, what makes the, the, makes it so fun is the number of parallels and how many different colors and how shiny and how reflective some of the cards are. If you, you know, believe me, I was working, I was with Panini when we first released Prism Hockey. I think we had two parallels, maybe the silver and the gold. And when you're opening that fifth box or sixth box, it, it starts, it tends to get a little boring. So uh, when you're opening a box of Prism or Donner's Optic, you never know what's going to come in, what color is going to come in that next box. So is it going to be a green sparkle? Is it going to be a purple wave? Is it going to be a blue cracked ice? I think it just makes the cards more attractive. And of course it adds to the chase because, uh, there's so many people out there collecting the rainbow. They're trying to get as many different versions of the card as possible. So um, yeah, I think it makes it more fun for the hobby in general. Man, great answer. Lot, lots of answers within that that uh, that whole diatribe there. So I appreciate that. I th and I, I think it's great. And I'm just going to skip down to here. Uh, so Stefan says, you know, um, I think parallels are a great thing. I wish the hockey market would, would welcome them. Parallels just add more value in my opinion. And I agree with that. I'm I'm not the guy who chases every parallel of every, of every card for the player that I collect, but I like certain ones. I like certain nice parallels for sure. And I think I think some parallels are more important than others, and those are the ones that I I tend to like. But I uh, and for in the hockey world, Stefan, I mean Opeachy Platinum. That's where you, that's where you find quite quite a few of those. So um, we do have them somewhat for hockey, and uh, but I think it's a it's kind of on another level as far as basketball goes. But basketball is also a much yeah. bigger market. And let's speaking about basketball being a bigger market ties into a meets question here, which is, and I don't know that you can comment on this, Chris, because you're not in sales, but can you comment about country specific allocations of product? Us Canadians love us some prism too. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, our sales department and marketing department do a great job of uh, trying to expand uh, our global reach for, for collectors. We realize that there is a whole nother collector base outside just North America. Uh, Australia, Australia is getting huge right now. Uh, I know there's a number of uh, collector groups out there. Of course, the Asian market's been big for basketball as far as I can remember back when Jeremy Lin just blew up the NBA and then you had Yao Ming before that. So um, we're definitely looking to, to expose uh, the, the basketball brands to them and bring them the, the cars that they're chasing. So I know with uh, Court Kings, we just released a, a, an Australian exclusive blaster to them with a head of their own exclusive content. Uh, I believe we have a we have a deal in place with a Team All where we're uh, releasing products directly to their uh, store uh, in Asia. So they they're having some uh, Asian specific uh, 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 parallels and such. But uh, you know, as far as the market goes, I mean, as far as the game keeps expanding globally and the collecting collectors keep, you know, the collector groups grow, I'm sure we'll look at other ways to 
to move uh, or make exclusive content for say Canada or Germany or or you know Brazil and you know we've also got a world cup coming so <laughs> that's going to be huge too for sure and okay so great segue there because super striker says I know you work in basketball, but I'm a huge soccer kid. Have you ever been involved with Panini soccer stuff or have any cool stories with players that are creating of soccer cards? And just so everybody knows, we were planning to talk about soccer, so we may as well just bang it out right now, Chris. You want to talk about Panini and soccer and uh, kind of the strategy for Panini? I'll I'll talk to it the best of my ability. I mean, as far as my personal involvement with soccer, it's only maybe our digital trading card app. We have a a Panini FIFA uh, World Cup trading card app. Um, but we did pick up the, uh, the cards from our physical prism brand. Uh, no, we have some great guys working on our soccer, uh, cards, Matt Davis, Ake, uh, Brett Whiteley's, uh, just been added to them. He was a formal ba- basketball guy who's now working on soccer. And I, I think you can see some of the, the, the newer soccer cards we just released. I think Chronicles, uh, the product is going <laughs> insane right now. In fact, I mean, the whole sports card market is getting a little ridiculous right now. But I, I just saw some values of some of the uh, soccer cards that came out of that Chronicles. Um, and I believe Mason Greenwood cards are just uh, on fire. So uh, I, I personally haven't met any uh, soccer players myself. I'd like to meet Christian Pulisic because he's from Hershey, where my dad's from. So, <laughs> Okay. All right, man. Awesome. So uh, back to uh, the whole parallel thing. Scott says, I really love seeing them all side by side. Shiny and colors rule. Shiny and color rules. Yeah, man, I'm with you on that. I love my shinies as well. Uh, still on the top. I want to we're going to talk back about prism basketball for a second. Ziggy says, I love it. In my opinion, it's iconic set for Panini at Find the Rainbow Chase and Retail Raiders of today. Can you tell us a little about the history of prism? Rumor was it almost failed. Uh I don't know if it almost failed. I know there are people that weren't as as high on Prism as our product development team is. Uh, whether I mean whether it's externally, internally, whatever. Uh, but we you know we have a, a a good group of guys on our product development team who believe in the work we do, and you know we they stuck with it for basketball as well as our football team stick you know stick to what what they believe in, and it's proved successful. Uh, I remember back when. 1213 prism first came out and you know not many people cared about the silver prisms and now the silver prism has come almost like the standard for the rookie parallel to get every year so you know sometimes you know as as far as being on the uh, the brand uh, the product development side you know if you believe in something strong enough uh, luckily we have some great bosses that that support us support our decisions then when we believe in something um, you know, you just have to wait it out and hopefully it does catch on and prisms proved that, uh, you know, if you stick to it and you believe in it, the product and keep doing it consistently and improving that it, it does work. Yeah. And I saw on, uh, on hobby insider today, when I announced you were my guest tonight, um, there were some comments that, you know, oh, sure wish Panini was still making hockey cards. So Chris <laughs> wants to know, you know, thoughts on the thoughts on hockey collectors not liking sets where there's five or six parallels versus, and that, that's not completely true because even Stefan says right here, you know, it's fun to chase rainbows. That's why I love Opeachy Platinum. But back to Chris's question, you know, versus basketball sets having, say, around 40 uh, different parallels, collectors seem to enjoy that fact. Can as As a guy who works on basketball cards now, has worked on hockey cards, collected hockey. 
What's your take on that? Why do basketball collectors uh, kind of lean toward or, or accept so many parallels more than in general hockey collectors, Stefan excluded? <laughs> well, I, I think uh, the basketball market uh, overall is just an entirely bigger market. So you, you have more people who are going to be chasing. Who, you know, I mean, if you if you have a million people chasing after only five parallels, it's going to be pretty boring. So, but now you add in 20, 30 different parallels, some you can only find here, some you can only find there. It just adds to the chase and, and you know, it just adds to the excitement. As far as hockey, I mean, one of the things I always uh, uh, remember from working on hockey is, you know, you had uh, pretty much all the Canadians loved hockey and then a little bit of the top of North America liked hockey. So, so, you know, the market wasn't as big. So, you know, if you're going to do 10 parallels, well, now you're, you know, if you're doing 10 to 20 parallels, well, now you're upsetting a smaller market of people who may not want to chase 20 parallels. But if, you know, it's just a completely different crowd for it. You know, you, you can, you can try doing different brands, uh, you know, that, and that's why as a collector, you, you have the right to, to collect what you want. You don't have to buy every brand. You can chase what you like. And I always enjoyed that as a collector. So if something has a lot of parallels that you're not a fan of, there's going to be another brand coming out that's probably going to cater to what you like more around the corner. So when we build brands ourselves, we're not looking to sell to one type of collector. We're looking at brands throughout the year to reach out to the retail collector, the hobby collector, the high-end collector, the low-end collector. Um, we're trying to get everybody involved. I wonder if sometimes the uh, the more hobby collectors, the guys that are watching this show tonight, the guys that are on message boards, the guys that are on eBay or ComC in your LCS, like on a daily basis, even an hourly basis sometimes. I wonder if sometimes we collectively think that the hobby is smaller than it actually is. And that's why you guys who are actually selling product, you're aware of the market, you know where it's, where the sell-throughs are happening. And maybe uh, I, I think it, it actually, what you just said makes me think think that I th that what I thought of the hobby maybe wasn't as uh, I thought it was maybe a bit smaller than it is. So I, I appreciate kind of uh, getting me up to speed on that. Um, Steve Angel just wants to say hello, Chris. Nice to see you pop up again. Uh, Sean, Sean Rob says, do die cuts pose any challenges to the pack out process? Example, prism die cut helmets. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you have something that's going to be a, a different thickness or a, a die cut, it's always going to add a uh, difficulty to the, the pack out process or actually the, the entire production of a card. Um, so, I mean, we, we make sure that that's why we have, uh, we're lucky to have fortunate enough to have such a great production team. Uh, the, the printers we work with have been doing it for years. They, they can iron out pretty much anything we try to come up with. Um, and if we try to get a little too extensive, you know, we have guidelines on like how far we can go in on a die cut, how thin things can be, uh, stuff like that. Because we know we, we've shown we've we've experienced what works and what doesn't with some of that stuff. Cool, man. Thank you for that answer. So let's take a minute and go back to uh, the year 2013, 14. This was the last year that Panini held a license for NHL hockey. Um, and you know, in that year, you guys were kind of left with, you were kind of left, I'd say almost holding the bag, the bag of memorabilia. You had all this stuff, all this inventory ready to take into the future with you. And all of a sudden the license was gone. Upper deck got an exclusive. 
Can you speak a little bit about that last year and um, kind of the products that year? And a question came up earlier that I didn't ask, but I'll, I forget who it was. But if you're still watching, I, I had it in the back of my mind. And the question was, do you guys still have any hockey memorabilia available uh, or in, in the in, in inventory? Um, well, as far as that last uh, 2013-14 season, it, it was it, it was amazing. It was a it was a great season for us. I think we were we were weren't where we wanted to be yet, but we were getting there. We uh, had prime hockey. I think that uh, National Treasures release that year was right on par, if not better than the Cup that season. Um, Prism hockey was was you know starting to pick up. We had select uh, contenders. Uh, people were enjoying the autographs there. I mean, uh, of course, when you're trying to compete with a brand like uh, a company like Upper Deck that had been in the market for 30 years or 20, 30 years at the time, and just a staple in all hockey collectors' uh, minds, it, it's kind of hard to get in there. But it, it felt like we were making some big strides with Dominion, Prime, and and, and the Cup. Uh, yeah, and it, it was a, it was a real disappointing when we when we got the news that uh, they were going to go exclusive with Upper Deck because we were already looking forward to, to some of the things we were going to do with Connor McDavid and the upcoming rookies. I, I can only imagine what a gold prism Connor McDavid would go for right now, the way that brand is exploded. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, it, it left a kind of left a bad taste in our mouth. And as far as uh, our inventory, uh, you know, as most of you know, we did uh, our anthology hockey, uh, kind of handcuffed with that. But we tried to, uh, you know, we used up uh, a lot of our memorabilia because we had we had a great uh, amount of assets. We had some amazing autographs, and we had tons. You know, Gordy Howes uh, at the time. We had, you know, oh, so we had so many good things that we we were planning on using. And we were just handcuffed and told we couldn't make hockey cards anymore. It was kind of heartbreaking, but we did what the best we could. We produced that anthology product, which uh, you know, I, there's still parts of that I still love that, that you know that that, that I enjoyed making. Uh, as far as hockey inventory, no, the only hockey inventory we have right now is uh, Capo Caco and Vitaly Krasov, and his prime hockey cards are on the Panini website. So if you want some Caco cards, go get them. <laughs> there you go, man. And I'll put up your uh, your Twitter and Instagram on the bottom on the ticker as well as Panini if people want to follow uh, either Chris or Panini on Instagram or Twitter. Just want to put that up there. Okay, so um, we have Simon in Australia who's tuning in with us uh, tonight, Chris. He says, living in Australia, more retail products would be good as it's more affordable alternative to hobby boxes due to the conversion rates, et cetera. So something to share with your sales department, but that ties into Amit's question that was a bit earlier. And he basically wants to know, uh, will Canada ever see mega boxes? Uh, you know, it's, that's, uh, I think that's a little, maybe out of my department. I know we, we uh, uh, I'm not sure who, who distributes to the Canadian retail stores or not, but uh, I know that as far as uh, when we build our retail products, we look for as many avenues as possible to to create exclusive content or different formats. And you know, it's like if it was up to us, we I'd be we'd make mega boxes for everybody we could. You know, we could put put them in uh, you know every Target, Walmart, Kohl's, or whatever. But you know, our sales department you know has to work with you know our their our buyers and what they want, and you know decide what kind of content we're going to build or help you know at least give their suggestion on it. 
Okay. Yeah. And I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to maybe skip some more questions that are not related to what you do just in the interest of time as we go through here. Um, Carvin does want to chime in and say hockey, hockey collectors are set collectors, basketball collectors love value and high priced cards. So thank you for that insight, Carvin. Uh, what else we got here? The, the, wow. We got lots, lots of, I'm almost like, I don't even know how I can approach. I'm, all, I'm overwhelmed. There's so lots, wow. lots of action going on here tonight, Chris. You brought a lot of people out. So instead, I'll take a second and just ask everyone who's new. First, I'd like to welcome anyone who hasn't watched the show before to Sports Cards Live. This is episode 27. There's 26 other episodes in the library. They live permanently on YouTube. They are long. I got to warn you, these shows are long. Like like two hours is a short episode for this for this show. We went two hours and twenty five minutes just on Wednesday with Adam, the twenty the real twenty seven guy. So I just ask if you go if you if you find some that you're interested in, you see some guests that you want to watch, take them out. You know, watch them in bits and bites. You don't have to watch all two hours at a time. Watch fifteen minutes here, twenty minutes there. YouTube will remember where you left off, so you can't go back. And I do ask that if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the channel. I do greatly appreciate it. Okay. Uh, lots of soccer comments coming through. Um, gosh, there's. Did I bring a crowd with me? I just want to make sure. A lot of, lot of questions, Chris. Carvin says hockey collectors are completionists. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. know that for sure. Basketball collectors are okay with not having it all. They're okay with chasing 100 white whales. Stefan agrees, although I think hockey is slightly starting to move towards a high value price. And I will concur with yeah. that. That's what I'm seeing. Values are up there. Um, yeah. There's, and, you know, Chris, that's a segue into another topic we were going to talk about, which was like, how much attention do you guys pay to the market and what's going on in these last couple months and in general? And does it factor into, you know, hey, we're about to make the Zion Williamson Panini Prism Silver and all the and all, all the parallels and the regular base? Like, do you guys realize at yeah. production or at at the time of release that these cars right out of the pack are going to be worth a lot more than what, what you're selling them for or what, you know, what they would have been if this was just a year or two ago. Well, I, I don't think we'd be doing our jobs if uh, we weren't paying attention to the market and what's going on and what's, what's hot and what's not. And uh, uh, if we weren't noticing that the trend in uh, how popular say prisms become or, you know, what the price of, Steph Curry National Treasure rookies or Giannis, uh, you know, gold standard rookies had jumped to, you know, if we were just oblivious to that, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be able to make the products we do. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting question whether do we know the values? Well, of course, when we're building a product, we ha we're hopeful, you know, you know, we hope, hey, I, I really hope this uh, Zion National Treasures rookie sells for 10, 25,000. And then you see the first one go up for 99,000. It just kind of blows you away. Uh, this year has been like uh, none other I've experienced at Panini. Uh, you know, we've we've had some studs. We've uh, in rookie classes we've had some duds, but uh, you know they they call it a generational talent for a reason. Uh, Zion seems to be like the real deal. The guy's uh, amazing. He's uh, I mean, every time he goes up for a dunk, you, you're out of your seat. Uh, he's he's just so charismatic too. He's such a nice guy. I mean, there's. It's hard to. I mean, it kind of reminds me of uh, of Griffey, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. a bit when the big craze in the you know eighty nine ninety. Because not only was he a fantastic player, but he was just a nice guy in general. And now you've got this beast of a a guy, just huge, just monstrous, and and he's a nice guy, and he's got that smile, and he's just talented, and it's and it's crazy. 
No doubt, no doubt, for sure. Carvin, he says, hey, be careful what you wish for in hockey. If prices go up, you might not be able to buy as much. It's a big hidden secret. I mean, he's right, but you know what? That secret is getting out. It's getting out a lot. I know a lot, as I said earlier, I know lots of basketball collectors that are now looking to hockey. And even since I've started this show, and I'm in, I'm, I've kind of become a part of a, the basketball community on Instagram in particular, and I've got, I've got basketball guys on Instagram messaging me pretty much daily at this point, asking me for my advice on hockey. You know, I've, I liked hockey 20 years ago. I'm just getting back into it. Who should I collect? What, what brands should I buy? And I'm finding I'm being, I've become quite the consultant lately uh, to two basketball collectors about hockey. So it's already happening. It, it really is. And we're seeing it in, in a lot of the prices that are going up. We have an anonymous Facebook user says, great show guys. I'd really love to know who you were. So in order for me to do that, on the ticker right now, don't be an anonymous Facebook user. Go to StreamYard.com slash Facebook. Click the big blue button. You only have to do it once ever. And then Chris and I can address you in a much more personal manner, which is the preference. So please go and do that. Ziggy says, can you talk to the decision to expand Prism in 2017? First with the first off the line and then the fast break Prism seem bold. Later, you added choice in 2018. Is there more expansion in the future? Uh, well, I mean, I wasn't personally involved with the, in the basketball uh, side back in 2017. I was working on my digital stuff. Uh, um, but I, I know that, uh, you know, people that are above my pay grade, uh, look, you know, in the, our sales department and uh, our, our uh, uh, executive group it, it had come up with that plan for first off the line. Um, and it's, it's been pretty successful. So, um, as far as the fast break prism, the choice prism, um, we're we're always looking at different avenues uh, of how to get get cards out to the market. When when there's you know when there's a customer base for it, we know a brand as popular as Prism, um, or even Donruss Optic, uh, they're looking for different ways or different formats. Not everybody can afford a, a hobby box. Not everybody's going to find a, a certain retail box. So uh, we've, I believe we've come out with that, uh, that hobby hybrid, that H2 format. I think we have that in select and mosaic. So uh, yeah, we're always interested in trying to find new ways or, you know, uh, presenting the cards to the collectors and seeing what's successful. All right, man. Cool. Stefan says, you know, it's a double-edged sword in my eyes. This is back in regards to the hockey, uh, the hockey market. As much as I love chasing all the high-end stuff, I'd love seeing the hockey market getting a market boom and more love and Stefan, I, I think I'm sensing that it's happening. You know, I mean, Connor McDavid, young guns have basically doubled in value. Like I didn't even realize it until I looked at it a couple of days ago, like PSA tens are doing like $900 all of a sudden. It's like, what, what happened to $500, 550, even 400, 450. So I think that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Carvin says, imagine paying $500 a box of 2021 upper deck one, like is what's like what's going on in prism. Uh, yeah. You know, for example, yes, for example, Stefan, you know, as a breaker, I'd love it. But yes, a collector would be very tough. Stefan wants to hear a Gordy Howe story, but we have lots of people watching, not just not just the hockey guy. So we're going to we're going to we're going to kind of pass by that for now, Stefan. But I truly appreciate all of your interaction tonight, man. It's been it's been excellent. Um, I want to know a little bit about. Uh, oh, no, never mind. We're not going to do that right now. We're going to come back to that. We're gonna we're gonna stick with some more comments here. Actually, so Ziggy says, um, "Optic basketball is hot this year. It hit the retail a few months ago. However, there's been another wave of optic and retail stores. Is that past inventory, or did Panini 
make more retail. No, I, I believe that's uh they restocked. I think they held they were they were planning to release it. Uh, I'm guessing that was the Walmart Megas or uh, I think they were planning to release it in waves, and it's just their schedule of releases. Uh, we printed all the cards for that. We're already working on uh, our upcoming brand, so it's not like we can just uh, leave the printers on. <laughs> Believe me, if we could, I'd, I'd be wanting to print out a bunch of, uh, we could print out more Prism and get more Silver Zions out there the way as hot as it's been. But yeah, yeah, those products are done. So uh, we're already working on uh, next year's stuff and the stuff that's going to be coming out at the end of the year. Okay, awesome. Um, I'm just going to scan this one before I bring it on and see if it's something we want to talk about. Um, well, I'll put it up. He says, I love Panini basketball products, but I opened six blasters of contenders draft. Four of the boxes had points in place of my auto, even though it said one auto on average. What's the logic? Is this something you can speak to? Well, yeah, basically the... Uh Unfortunately, not all the autographs come back in on time uh, from players, whether it's stickers or on card. And we have, you know, we have to fulfill the the box or fill the boxes with the with the content. So what we do sometimes, if we don't do a, a actual redemption card for the auto, is we have our Panini reward points, um, and we drop those in the box in the place of the autograph. Now, uh, when the autograph actually does come in at some point, they usually put those up on the reward site and you can use those points. There's usually a one-to-one -one relationship. So if you got a, a point value card of say 500 points, well, there's, there was an autograph card that we assigned to that 500 point value that will eventually go in the reward store whenever it comes in. Um, but you also have, but the thing with the points is you have the option. Of, you don't have to settle for that player. Maybe you pulled, it could have been a, a nobody player that you really didn't care about. Well, we've got more options in the reward store, uh, other players, better players. Uh, we have packs. I think we the white sparkle pack has been hugely successful. I think football team just released a select cosmic pack, which had a really limited print run. And you can save up and bundle up your points to use those to get something way better than what that uh mid mid-level autograph might have been okay man can you know let's just talk about redemptions for a second it's something that everybody wants to know about people people love to bash all the card companies on various uh online formats you know and complain about this complain about that and i'm not saying that there there's not a justification for being disappointed for not pulling the actual card and I'm not even saying that, you know, that there is not a justification for being upset when a card isn't fulfilled and now you're getting a replacement. Um, you know, can you just speak to the what I believe to be the, necess the, the necessity, the necessary evil that redemptions are? Why, like kind of why do we why do they happen? I think I think sophisticated collectors understand that. But I think a lot of maybe newer collectors don't yeah. understand it and a lot of you know, for lack of a better term, the trolls who just like to bash also yeah. don't necessarily, they just use it as, as something to, you know, they just have to keyboard warrior a little bit. So they like to talk about it. Can you speak just kind of, kind of maybe set the record straight? Why do they happen? Why are they necessary? And, uh, you know, what do you guys, what's your, what's pinning these strategy to mitigate the, the frequency of them? Well, I mean, I was a collector before I started here, so I understand the frustration of redemptions. I, I mean, I actually still have redemptions outstanding from eight years ago. That <laughs> so, yeah, I, I understand the the frustration. I, I get it. But you know, if anything, 
we are way more upset about your redemptions than you are. We will always be more upset about redemptions. Not, we don't like to pack out a project that's not 100% fulfilled. But, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of uh, circumstances that lead up to why we have to do redemptions. Um, of course, uh, the, you know, when the autographs don't come in on time, that's the, you know, that's going to be the main reason why. Um, uh, of course, you know, we don't put auto, uh, redemption cards in a product unless we already have an agreement in place with the athlete. So it's not like we're just, you know, hoping we get this autograph of a player. We have a written agreement with the athlete that he is going to be sending us autograph cards back to us. So every redemption card you get is uh, originally a, was is, is a planned autograph card. Um, sometimes there may be a situation where a card's maybe it's damaged, but it's such a nice card that you know we we want to we want to remake that card, and that's going to take time. So it's not there at the pack out. So we'll put a redemption card in its place. Um, but you know, like I said, we hate redemptions more than collectors. Uh, we do our best to fulfill them. Uh, you know, our acquisitions team does an amazing job. Probably they don't get a lot of, uh, enough credit for how many autographs they have to acquire in a year from all the players they have to get them from, but they do a great job trying to get that stuff back in as fast as possible. Okay, man. And uh, Simon just makes the point that redemptions are mainly for on-card autos. I think that kind of uh, is pretty obvious, right? I mean, but but I, but thank you for stating that, Simon, just to to really make it clear. Chris, you want to jump in? Yeah, for the most part, yeah, they're they're going to be for uh, um, for on-card content. But uh, for example, say it's a it's a new rookie that uh, uh, we do a, a a high quantity of sticker autographs for. Sometimes they don't return them on time, so you, we may have a situation where a rookie is a redemption because we don't want to necessarily pull him out of the product. So we may have to put a redemption of a sticker autograph in there. But uh, and what a lot of collectors don't know is um, not all redemptions uh, are, are actually, you know, put in pro there's many times we will actually take cards out of a program before a pack out because they haven't come in on time. And maybe the value of that card may not may not push the, the price of a product one way or another. So we'll make the ultimately make the decision to cut cards out of a program to eliminate redemptions and reduce the number of redemptions that, you, uh, that the customers get in their boxes. And what can you say to people that are holding, and if anything, because again, I, really, I recognize it's not your department, and if you just want to pass on this, I completely understand, but what can you say to people that are like yourself that are holding redemptions from, say, eight years ago? Let's say there's someone out there that has redemptions from a, a hockey product from 2013, 14, or earlier. Are they still going to get anything, especially if it's considering it's a hockey redemption well, well i believe if it's with us uh if they haven't been contacted already they should uh, they can probably reach out to our customer service and we it's possible we have uh we we may have some hockey cards uh still that were that hadn't been redeemed so they can swap it out with a, a potential hockey product that we still have or they can swap it for a different sport say hockey isn't their thing you know i'm not saying they can call and say, Hey, my, I need a, I need a Zion for that. You know, no, that's not going to happen, but they can at least get uh, something in hand right away. Or, you know, you know, if it's another sport, if it's football or basketball, I mean, if you, if it's a player you really like, I mean, it may be worth the wait just to keep, you know, just to uh, see if the, the autographs do come in and then you get the card you actually wanted to begin with. All right. Thank you. Ziggy wants to say, Hey, Chris, I want to applaud Panini for honoring expired redemption. So the best of your ability, Panini is the only manufacturer to do this. And I mean, 
Ziggy says Panini is the only manufacturer to do this. I just hope that we're 100% correct when we say that uh, sort of on a live show because I definitely cannot verify that myself. Uh, Amit makes the comment, you know, when are you releasing cricket cards? I'm sure there's money there as well. And uh, hey, man, you know, soccer is taking off. Soccer cards are, are really something that I think is, uh, is you know, due hey. to explode. We, we talked about this at length uh, over the last couple of days. Well, you want you want to speak to that? I would say if, if there's a license out there that's uh, worth pursuing, I guarantee you the uh, we have people that are looking into them. Whether it's you know uh, you know well, we have we have uh, agreements to do cards that you know we, we have Fortnite now. We have uh, our WNBA prism is coming out. People that you know they're not traditional sports or traditional markets, but uh, we're going to do trading cards if if we feel there's an opportunity that you know it's going to we can. Uh, turn it into something and there's going to be a, an audience for it. We'll definitely, you know, we'll look at doing it. So, I mean, I, w I was never a big soccer fan, but look at the way the soccer market has gone now and the, with the licenses we have with those. Yeah. Okay. And Amit wants to know, are you able to speak to where prism cards are made? Not sure if it's proprietary info and, or I don't know what he mean by, and or tops, but I mean, and, and I'll just kind of add to that and ask, like, are all your cards are all the different brands and programs, are they all manufactured in the same printing manufacturing facility? Um, I'm, I don't know if I can speak to how many uh, vendors we have, but I, I, the majority of our cards are here are printed uh, right here in, uh, in Dallas on the DFW area. So uh, we're fortunate enough that we we're close enough to, um, to, to go out and, and talk to our, our, our group that does the printing and we can actually see the cards that are made. So uh, it's one advantage that we have over the other companies because I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think uh, either Tops, Upper Deck or are, are located near their printers, so. Okay. There's a couple questions coming in about uh, Giannis and the cards that he's shown on his Instagram. Can you speak to that at all? Um, you know, I, like I said, this is uh, I, we're we're definitely aware uh, of the videos that we're circulating, and I think there are people more important than me that are looking into it, and they're they're definitely uh, going to take care of what, what they need to. So, okay. uh, so not your department. I'm very, <laughs> and that makes that makes good sense to me. Um, okay, so. Uh, let's see what Carlos says. Welcome, Carlos. He says, I can sympathize regarding redemptions, but regarding rewards point, there's really no justification for having a shipping cost on something I'm redeeming with points I didn't want in the first place. Okay, we're going to move along. Andy, welcome to the show. Great to have you. And Carvin says NASCAR is a good opportunity. Certainly is. Okay, so listen, I something I love talking about uh, is the market and sort of where it is right now. And I'm just going to step back and say to Carlos, um, we're not, uh, we're not, I, I'm not turning this show into kind of like, uh, you know, I don't like what, what I'm getting or, or, you know, to, 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 to voice too many complaints. Um, and that's why I just kind of breeze by it. Uh, I want to keep this relaxing. We're not here to put Chris kind of up against the wall here. We're here to get information. He's doing us all a service by joining us tonight, willing to speak as freely as he's able to. And Chris, I want to thank you for that on behalf of all the viewers. I know they all appreciate it. And, and even Carlos, I know you do too, but I just want to let you know that I'm just not, uh, I'm just not, we're not going to get into that. Um, Steve, uh, I don't know what that was. So 
If you want to ask it again, uh, type it in. I We may get to it. Okay. I love talking about what's going on in the market right now. We've touched on it a little bit here and there in terms of the growth of basketball and, and the, you know, and the, the, the amount of parallels that we see. I mean, cards are selling for crazy money now. Like it, it's, it's, it's just re- It's a regular occurrence now for a card to sell for over $50,000 for over $20,000. It's even more regular. What, what are your, what's your take on this? Who, who's buying these cards? Where are they going? Uh, I'm assuming it's people with more money than I have, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy watching the market right now. I know, uh, you know, we, like I said, we have some expectations for a card. Uh, we, we have an idea of what we're hoping it's going to go for. Uh, I think uh, one of those color blasts out of our Spectra program that just released a Zion went up, and we were, we were kind of curious, and my eyes just exploded when I saw that it was up over $19,000 already uh, with still like three or four days to go. That was unheard of. Uh, even, you know, Five six years ago, you just didn't see a, a current a, a card from the current season going for that much money right away. You know, it's I don't know. It, it's hard to explain. It's all you can do is sit back, uh, take it in, and use that knowledge and hope. Uh, you know, we can do something just as good next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, we're gonna we're gonna go to this question here. It's another Ziggy question. But I only bring I'm going to bring it up because we talked about this and uh, and I think it's important that, that we address it. Um, he says, are the Panini manufacturing facilities similar to Lotto manufacturing? Because I imagine it would be tempting for employees to take a few silver Zions home from the print shop. So, I mean, let's hear what sort of security there is. And this was a, a specific bullet point I had on the agenda for tonight was the security around these valuable cards and even the ones that are a bit less valuable that are becoming quite valuable. So why don't you take it away, Chris, and kind of let us know what, what's in place for that. Yeah, if it was easy to take a few silver Zions, I sure wouldn't be in this small one-bedroom apartment with my Mazda 3. I'd probably have something nicer. But, uh, yeah, we take security pretty seriously. We have uh, Not only do we have cameras and security in our buildings, uh, but our, our printing facility, is uh, their security is probably better than ours. They, they, they keep track of all the cards that go in and out of there, they have cameras everywhere, uh, throughout the packing process. Uh, you know, when we, uh, do, when we go out there for our quality control checks, uh, basically all the cards we pull from those go right back into the production line also. So they, you know, everything's pretty well managed on their side and on our, on our side. So. So you're confident with the security in place, there aren't cards being taken out the back door or going home with them with printing company employees or Panini employees like you guys are? As far as my, to my knowledge, I'm not aware of any of those situations. I mean, I'm not saying that it couldn't happen, that someone's not tempted, but I know, I mean, that they're taking, they, I think people realize what, what kind of market we have right now for basketball. So I'm, I'm confident that they're doing their job over there. And I know we're doing our job over here to make sure that stuff isn't just going out the back door. Okay. Thank you. Ziggy on fire tonight, because this next question is one that I, I was wanting to ask you. So we'll let Ziggy steal my thunder. How do you feel when you create a product that's aftermarket value is often greater than the production and sales revenues? Is there any other job where you're creating wealth with creativity? How does it feel like when you like that Zion uh, NTRPA for ninety nine thousand or whatever went for, and 
clearly that pack only sells for well only five seven thousand dollars whatever it is how, how does it I, I i'm curious about this too what does it feel like to know that you're part of creating these these yeah. win these lottery wins really I don't know. I, I think a lot of people are probably sitting there going, oh, you know, we're probably patting ourselves on the back going, oh, you know, hey, we're so we're so great. We did this. But uh, to me, it's the exact opposite. I'm sitting here going, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do to top this next year? Because we're all you know, we're constantly working on future products. I mean, how do you what are we going to have to do to NT next year to top what the Zion and Jaw stuff is going for right now? So, I mean, we're hoping that, uh, you know, we get a big breakout rookie with Edwards or, or Ball or something. But, uh, you know, you can't re always rely on the uh, how the players are performing. You have to make sure you're making uh, compelling products. And, you know, as, as much fun as it, it is to watch and seeing the Zion craze and the jaw stuff go through the roof, uh, it's just it's more it's just as stressful trying to think about what we have to do to Prism or what we have to do to an NT next year to make sure it's going to be just as good. Okay, Karn is what is joined us. Karn, welcome to the show. He wants to talk about the Zion Prism logo, Prism logo man one of one blockchain that just sold for fifty thousand dollars. What is the future of blockchain physical releases? Well, I know right now they're they're doing more uh, the like the like I said there's the Prism brand. Uh, they're releasing new cards every week. Um, I think they're going to be tying in some more uh, unique uh, blockchain cards. Uh, you know. Uh, I think Thomas Barchi and Brett Whiteley are working on our, our blockchain content and they've got some new programs unique that, that are just exclusive to the blockchain. So um, I'm sure they're going to have all kinds of cool stuff coming out for that. Uh, and then, like I said, for our basketball product, we'll be doing, excuse me, uh, more redemptions like we had in uh, NT. So we'll have that in Immaculate and Flawless where you can get the digital versions of those cards on and have them on the blockchain as well okay okay uh steve wants to know any possibility that zion would have an exclusive panini set himself uh you know i would love to do it because <laughs> i mean pretty much uh, anything zion is 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 gold right now but uh uh, I don't know if we're going to have exclusive Zion sets, but uh, I know we've got some uh, interesting stuff coming out at the end of the year. It's going to have, of course, be Zion heavy. And, and, you know, and I know the focus is on Zion, but it's you can't stress enough how how great this overall rookie class is because you don't want to sleep on the R.J. Barrett's or the Cam Reddish's or any of the others, or you know, maybe even it's a Keldon Johnson. But I mean, if you look at what Giannis cards were doing when he came up, they were nothing. People were throwing away his silver prisms and his prisms, and the guy blew up. Zion is Zion. He's he's on another level. But you definitely don't want to sleep on some of the other rookies in this class. Fair stuff. Fair stuff. Okay, uh, Ziggy, we're gonna rename this from Sports Cars Live to the Ziggy Show. Uh, Ziggy, another question that I think is in, is important that you address. Um, he, he says, since you handpack national treasures, does Panini know the location and or case number of the Zion logo man? Is that information only known at a high level? Is this something you, and I, I, I know because I was at a pack out for the cup, which is like a national treasures in a way. And I saw all the case hits. They were all, they all came in front of me. I photographed all of them. And of course, I know, I, let, yeah. me just, let me just finish, Chris. I know for certain 
because I saw where they went, that there's no way in the world that anyone at Upper Deck knew where those shield cards went or the property ofs or the, the, the real stuff. So can you just, I mean, that's me answering from my small experience 10 years ago with Upper Deck. Can you speak to your experience with uh, Panini? Yeah, I wasn't with uh, working on the NT pack, but I've worked on the flawless packouts. Uh, you know, and I, actually, I worked on NT hockey packout. I think that was the last uh, hand packout for an NT I did. But uh, yeah, when we build those packs, uh, it basically goes into a stack of packs, and you know, we don't see where that stack goes once that's carted away and actually put on the line, shrink wrap. Uh, put in the box because then after it's put in the box, it still has to be put in a case. And then that case goes on a pallet and it goes, you know, it's kind of like, uh, what was that? The, uh, the Indiana Jones movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, you know, you put that Ark in a box and then it goes in a warehouse full of all these other bigger boxes and good luck trying to find it once it goes there. So uh, no, it, it, I, I love the, uh, the, you know, the tinfoil hat and the conspiracy theories thinking that, uh, we know where this card is or we hold it back, but I can assure you nothing is held back. Uh, I mean, we've seen, we, we've seen huge cards pulled on the first day of release. And if we were going to hold something back, you wouldn't want like the best card in the program being open on the first day. So yeah, um, yeah, the, the, I'm always entertained. I love reading the forums. Uh, you know, we'll go, I'll go on blowout and spend a night uh, reading some of the, the theories and uh, it, it's, they're great reads. It's, very entertaining <laughs> i.e lots of inaccuracies i think is what you're saying but i'll i'll say that you don't have to uh and carvin he says you know if we knew where these things were he would have bought the box lol i would own a bunch of exquisite logo mans and nhl shields and maybe a ferrari and a lamborghini as well so definitely yeah. hear that so i i do want to uh let's let's bring carlos back because carlos i do appreciating i do appreciate you uh bringing this back in this form so uh, as a question, are rewards points in boxes considered to be something different than a redemption card when inserted instead of a specific redemption card? Uh, does that do you understand? Well, uh, it's basically it's uh, either or. It still accounts. We we count it as a hit. If we're if we say you're going to get two autographs per box on average, the the point or redemption would is taking the place of a live autograph. Because in all actuality, you you can use those points to get an autograph off the direct site. So, um, you know, for the most part, uh, we try to reduce the amount of points as, as much as possible. Uh, of course, you know, the redemptions we try to keep to the better players because, you know, you know, nobody wants to pull a redemption card uh, of a fourth line player whom you may not have ever make it into the league. So, you know, th there may be an opportunity where we use points instead and a collector can get a better player in return. Okay, man. Thank you for that, Carlos. I hope that satisfies your question. Um, Ziggy, man, you got to stop stealing all my questions. So this <laughs> next... <laughs> so I'm going to put it up because Chris, this is something I was, we talked about, I was going to ask you tonight, basically has to do with Kobe Bryant and uh, any Kobe Bryant autograph, sticker autographs that you guys still have. Let's read out Ziggy's question with complete respect to Kobe. Does Panini have plans for more Kobe sets in the future? I know his autos are limited. Will we see more autos in the future? Thank you very much for your time. Um, I don't know if I can touch. I mean, it, it's still uh, it, it's still pretty impactful to all of us because you know how close Panini was with Kobe. So, uh, in fact, our acquisitions uh, direct uh, VP was with him the day before. Uh, he was actually getting autographs from Kobe the day before the crash. So, um, yeah, it, it's 
you know, you want to be respectful of the family. The last thing we want to do is put Kobe stuff out there and have people think we're trying to profit off of his uh, death. So it's not something we want to do. It's a very sensitive subject. Uh, when the time is right, we'll we'll have we'll, we well we'd love to have uh, Kobe back into our rotation of uh, products. So um, you know, it's for a lot of us, it's still too soon uh, to start putting Kobe stuff out there. But uh, yeah, I'd imagine at some point we're going to have Kobe in products again. In terms of autographs or just regular cards? Well the autographs are kind of a different issue. So um, I know we, uh, the, we had autograph content. Uh, like I said, he, we were acquiring autographs the day before his death, but I think uh, we have a lot of customers who have outstanding Kobe redemptions. So uh, I think we're gonna have to look at how to address uh, that situation and maybe perhaps use some of the, that content to, to fulfill those. Cause we're not going to just forget about people who we owed Kobe. We're not going to, use new Kobe autographs or, or whatever we, we've gotten his last uh, shipment to, to, you know, make money off it. We got to make sure the customers who were, who had Kobe cards are going to get something they feel justifies waiting for, uh, for the autograph. Okay, man. Thank you for addressing that. Amit, if you're still there, thank you for joining this evening and good night to you as well. And Carlos wants to say thank you for the response on his question. So, uh, thank you for that, Chris and Carlos and Amit and everybody else for tuning in tonight uh, so far. Again, hey, if you're new to the show, thank you for joining. Do please subscribe to the channel. We got 26 episodes already in the library, many more coming. You've seen I've got uh, we've got um, Grant Sandground from Upper Deck, who is the director of product development, joining me here on Wednesday. And then on July 22nd for episode number 30, we managed to get Dr. James Beckett, who, in my opinion, is the most iconic name, the most well-known name this hobby has ever seen. You know, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, and all the uh, Mike Trout, all the athletes aside, uh, he is certainly the biggest name in the hobby. So lots of great shows still coming up on Sports Cards Live. Um, okay, man. Well, listen, we've covered off quite a lot of quite a lot of content here already. Um, I do want to ask you, though, you know, how important to Panini and really the hobby in general are these international markets like Asia, Australia, Europe? How how much strategy comes into play for you guys when it comes to the basketball products? Never mind soccer. We know soccer is global. But as far as basketball and really just thinking of it as a collector, how important are these markets to us moving forward uh, or is the growth of the market internationally, and I mean the whole market, is it going to price out a lot of the collectors? Uh, you know, as far as I think we're concerned, we're always we're always going to try to expand uh, our reach. In as much as the as as the game has gone global, so is collecting. So, uh, and we want to reach out to as many collectors as possible. And in the end, I think that helps all collectors. If you have it only makes your collections more valuable. If you're sitting on a your Zion Prism card, now you've got somebody who in Australia who's just dying to have one, or somebody in Japan, or somebody in you know Germany who wants that Zion card. That's that's more customers than you would have had if you just had collectors in the U.S. So I, I don't think it hurts having the global reach. Uh, I, I, I'm welcome to, to do it. I would do all kinds of exclusives for as many countries as we possibly could. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's great for the hobby. Um, 
I think, you know, of course it, it works for soccer uh, and it, it may not necessarily be trading cards, but the sticker collection that we put out every world cup, it has a huge, huge, huge following. So, uh, I think it does nothing but help the hobby. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, you know, as a as a collector who holds some great cards, I I love seeing my cards go up in value. It's a part of the hobby now. So I think I think the international expansion is very important, and I think it's important for the card companies to to market in these in these regions. And uh, I'm sure you are. I mean, if there's a, especially if there's licenses in sports that are kind of more, you know. In, in the like the crickets and the soccers, uh, you know, it, it's it's really it be, and it goes in the opposite direction too. A guy like me who is not the biggest soccer fan, but I'm a card collector. You know, if there's a soccer card out there that that I need to have, I may go collect it. And yeah. that's that that was almost with, without any marketing. So I wonder if there's sort of people out in these other countries that are now tuned into sports cards because everybody knows who Michael Jordan is. And LeBron James and uh, and all and Mbappe and all these soccer players who's I only know the Mbappe because that name is so hard to forget. But um, actually, let's get to a quick question we have here. I think it was Carvin's question. Actually, he says, "Will Mason Greenwood have autograph cards in upcoming 1920 EPL or other soccer cards?" Ah, uh, I wish I knew the answer to that. I, I know uh, our soccer. We may we may or may not already have you. I have no idea. We may be pursuing one. Uh, you know, the soccer groups are, are, are all over that. So I'm sure, you know, they're well aware of, uh, I know that was a talk of the office on uh, Thursday or Friday when we were looking at prices of cards. It was hard to believe that he was outselling a lot of the uh, messy stuff that was up. So if there isn't one, I'm sure they're definitely pursuing them. Okay, great. Uh, Steve wants to know, is there going to be a Contenders Optic basketball line this year? Yes, Contenders Optic basketball is on the way uh see we also have illusions is around the corner and i what i think is going to be one of the biggest releases of the year is the chronicles brand so chronicles is i mean you're familiar with like the rookie anthology when we did that in hockey well it's kind of evolved and uh, now it's the chronicles and uh the, the basketball team keith David, Lucas, and Brandon did an amazing job building the set it's gonna have so i don't see how you can open a box and not pull you know, some huge big name rookies from various Panini brands. And if you've seen what Chronicles Soccer is doing, just magnify that by, you know, 10, 20 times because it's going to be basketball. So if you haven't got your pre-orders in for Chronicles yet, yeah, you're going to want to jump on that. Okay, man. There you go, guys. There you go. Uh, Ronnie wants to say, I pulled a Kobe auto the day after. It was pretty emotional. No doubt. That was, I think... I think the world grieved. I mean, that was that was such a such a sad day for sure. Just the whole situation, very sad. Uh, Super Striker says uh, Gomez. He's referring to me. Needs to start collecting Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, you are my soccer consultant, so we do need to to talk a little bit uh, for sure. Big Al Cub fan, welcome to the show. Says I can't get basketball product here. I don't know where that is. So if you want to let us know where that is. I'd love to know, Big Al. So that would be an issue for me. Plus, my kids can't open any boxes because they are way too high. $300 a single plus a single box. Crazy. I think you need to increase your kids' allowance so they can afford it, Big Al. Uh, and Simon says, Chronicles was my favorite basketball product last year. And Big Al is in Indiana. Welcome to the show, Indiana. All right. So, Chris, I mean, you know, you, you've you've had a wicked path through the hobby from collector to um, 
to working in a card company. And like you said at the beginning of the show, you know, it's like it was like a lifelong dream. I, I had that dream when I was younger too. I remember being in my late teens. All I ever wanted to do is work at a card company. Mm -hmm. um, what what I want to know is like, what's it like transitioning from collector to card company brand manager? What did you learn? What's different? What like speak to that a little bit? Let us know because we're all none of us work for card companies except for the guys watching the do, but the rest of the collectors we don't work for card companies. We're just collectors. We don't know what it's like. You've gone from, and I mean, you were a hardcore, like guys, we're, Chris was a hardcore collector, not just a, a guy who bought the odd pack of cards. He what he hunted for the cards he wanted and was relentless. He would go to any lengths in terms of finding, like he said at the beginning of the show, if he had to call a card shop across the country to see if they had something, he would do it. I'm just trying to lay the foundation here. What yeah. was it like to go from being a collector like all of us to working at a card company, how did it change your view of the hobby? How did it change your view of cards? Speak to that, please. Let enlighten us. Um, you know, I think it. Uh, I found a newfound appreciation for what what it what it takes to actually build a card. Uh, I remember uh, in in my heyday on Beckett and Hobby Insider, we used to have blogs just pointing out every little mistake that a card company made. Like, how could you do this? How could you? possibly put an orange swatch on a blues player, uh, yeah, you know, this kind of stuff. And then once you, uh, you know, walk a mile in their shoes, you realize how tough it is to, to get cards built. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a full team, a team job to get it done. And, and you're relying on, you know, multiple departments to get uh, an entire set done. I mean, my, my, let alone one card. You're, you're talking hundreds and hundreds of cards in just one release, and you're doing multiple releases a year. But, you know, you, you got, really got to depend on your photo department, uh, your editorial department, you know, our, our memorabilia and acquisitions and signatures. I mean, we could build the perfect card, but then somebody maybe at the printing facility puts a sticker on upside down, and, you know, of course, it's then it's our fault, you know, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, you just, you just, uh, I think as when you're building it, you just realize what it takes. And then not even just the fancy expensive cards. You, you get a new appreciation of what it takes to make even just a little base card. And I think uh, some of the cards I've personally kept in my collection uh, that since I, I've worked here, like when I worked on the hockey the first year, were just some of the simple stuff, just because I, I realized what it took to do the, you know, the printing on the card, the color, the foil. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still I'm still amazed by the shiny stuff. I'm still impressed by the autograph and the high value stuff. Um, I guess if there was one negative impact working on this side, it's uh, you kind of become maybe a little numb to the autograph stuff after a big after you've gone to a bunch of photo shoots you've sat down with the athletes you've talked to them and it's gone from the appreciation of oh man you're such a great player to are you going to return your autographs or not because <laughs> i need that stuff in my product because it's got to ship tomorrow so uh, i think you know you start to look at uh, uh things quite a quite a few different ways but i mean i still love the hobby I still love, uh, you know, I still look at what uh, we do, what our, you know, what our football team does, what our baseball team does, what Tops will do, what Upper Deck does, what Leaf does, <clears throat> or Rittenhouse, even the non-sports stuff, um, because, I mean, it's, it's, it's always been fascinating to me. Okay, man. Well, thank you for that. I, I find that super interesting. I, 
I always kind of wondered what it would be like to work for a card company. And uh, I think I'm, 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 I'm on too many years now to sort of change my career and uplift, up move my family. Uh, so it's not going to happen for me, but it's, it's great to get the insights from someone that it, that it did happen to. So thank you for that. Um, Jay wants to know, could Panini put more on-card autos on soccer cards? And yeah, Super Striker wants to say, yeah, I'd like to know that too. So um, now I know you're not, this might not necessarily be your department, but can you speak to it at all? Well, I'm sure. I think we, we'd all love to have more on-card. Uh, I mean, ideally, we'd like to have all on-card, but unfortunately, uh, you know, you, if, to be realistic, to hit some deadlines, you we, we use the sticker format to, to get product out and it's even more difficult with soccer if you see uh the struggles we may have with say nfl or nba or baseball those players are all in the u.s <laughs> so <laughs> when we have redemptions and points and it's hard enough for us to get a card back from say no you know nebraska or or you know california and we're only in texas how hard is it for us to get that stuff coming from you know europe so or it's not like we can fly out uh, right away and chase down a guy and try to get him to sign autographs. So, uh, you know, I understand you know, the, the demand for the on-card uh, autograph, but I also understand the necessity of a sticker autograph. But to me, at the same time, it also enhances the value of an on-card autograph because, you know, it was that much, that much tougher to get. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think one thing that people don't always realize is that you guys are planning these sets out like six to 12 months ahead of time. And, you know, you don't have the card ready to go to the player. If that if that product is supposed to come out in, in May and you, you know, you don't have the cards until, say, March, can you really send them to the player in time? Now, someone's going to say, well, just work backwards. Well, now you're not, you don't even know who's playing on what team at that point. So how can you do that? Like, I think when it's almost to me, to the point where on-card autographs are, are a bonus. They're a very special thing. And I almost think that, and I'm, I don't want it to go in this direction, but it wouldn't surprise me to a degree if sticker autographs became even more common than they already are just because of time and even with the covid period we're in now where i think timelines are going to be even more accelerated i think we're going to have to just accept that there might be even more sticker autographs because it's just going to be impossible to move the car produce the card move it get it back put it into the into the collation the pack out process so yeah um, i mean there there are advantages and disadvantages for stickers i mean for for the athlete yeah it's they can kick out you know a thousand autographs in one session just signing sheets of stickers so it's convenient for them if we're doing on card we like i said uh you know we're doing uh, multiple we're working on multiple programs uh, at one time so and they're all in different uh, life cycle phases uh, of production uh for example i'm working on uh, probably we're about six or seven projects right now um so if we were to get cards to ship to the athletes, that means that athlete would be getting you know, a shipment every two or three weeks. And who knows, they may be on the road on a road trip or, you know, they may not be able to, to sign all the cards at once as opposed to, hey, let's get them to sign a couple thousand stickers or a thousand stickers. And then we can just go ahead and release our products and then we'll have a big sit down with them later for the on card. Yeah, no, it makes sense to me. Uh, Scott says, I just wanted to work in a card shop. Card company would have been even better. Um, <clears throat> what does Chris say? He says, using stickers in theory lowers the cost per autograph for Panini shipping costs add up fast. 
I think that's probably not only shipping, but travel, especially if you're going to meet an athlete, that, that costs the company money. But I think even despite that, and I'll ask it as, as a question, does Panini prefer to get on card in, in when they can, even if it costs a bit more money to do it? Of course. If you, I mean, if you talk to any of the guys who are making the cards on the product development side, we're all card collectors. So we would always prefer a on card, but you know, at the same time as that's not, that's not always going to be feasible. And as far as the cost for a sticker on card, we're still paying the athlete the same amount either way. So. Yeah. And, and you know, that's a good point, but I, I think, I do think in this case that Chris was actually considering that and he was really referring to the cost of yeah, moving and moving the cards and traveling. So I give him credit for that. That's how I interpreted it. Okay. And that, you know, you mentioned that we're card collectors. Let's wrap up here. You're still a card collector. Are you still collecting hockey? What where are you at right now? Someone asked earlier, and I didn't bring it up because I knew we were going to do. Now might have been Super Striker, I forget. But someone said, "Hey, let's hear a little about what's in your collection. What are you buying? Do you have a couple favorite cards in your collection?" Uh, no, yeah. yeah, I'm still collecting. Uh, of course, you know I usually collect stuff. Uh, I think since I've worked at Panini, uh, I've tended to chase after some of the things that uh, I, I had a hand in helping build with it with the team I'm on. So I have a lot of our NT hockey that year, a lot of prime. Um, you know, I picked up some basketball, uh, some optic, uh, some, uh, of course, I, I do have one Prism Zion rookie that I was able to luckily pull out of Walmart uh, here in town when, I, when it was before it all dried up. So um, I, I do collect some of the other sports for football. I've always been a Buccaneers guy. So I'm looking forward to us uh, doing Tom Brady cards this year. We're going to have a – I'm looking forward to our first Tom Brady autograph, although I know the Pats fans aren't looking forward to Brady uh, Buccaneer autographs. Um, so, yeah, I've collected a lot of the Bucks uh, over the years. I still chase uh, the main flyers and Knights rookies for, uh, for the, from the bigger uh, brands. Or I mean the mainstay brands, I should say. I, I mean I don't collect as much hockey as I used to, but you know, pretty much every year I'm going after a young gun or a future watch or something. Uh, and baseball, I'll pick up things here and there. Uh, you know, it's interesting. The stuff I've been picking up a lot lately is the stuff I couldn't afford in the '90s <laughs> or I couldn't find. So I still chase after some of those old whales. You know, like a Starquest Gold Eric Lindros or something like that. That was just impossible to find back in the day. So if those pop up, I, I usually chase after that stuff. All right, man. Thanks for that. Hey, if Ziggy is still watching, he has another question that I think you, you should answer here, Chris. He says, is Chronicles the last retail product for 1920? Is the final list for basketball products set and available for 2019? Or will there be any more elite-like online-only pro uh, products? All right, this is something I, I have some knowledge on. Uh, so we have Chronicles coming out to retail. If you're looking for more retail, we also have Illusions. Illusions will be coming out. And uh, if you're unfamiliar, it's, I think it's a new brand for basketball this year. Uh, if, you're, if you're a football collector, you're familiar with the name. It's been extremely popular with football. Um, but we have some cool inserts in there. Uh, like I said, Chronicles will be coming out. Uh, then we have a couple of the year-end surprises coming your way. Uh, uh, one uh, I am extremely looking forward to is a it's going to be a hoops update type set. I won't get into the details of what it's going to involve, but uh, it's going to be hoops on a different level. And then we're also going to have a, a, a different take on uh, Donruss this year. So uh, Donruss will be uh, done in a way with, uh, that's never been done before. 
uh, you'll have a fresh look at some uh, rated rookies of Zion and Jaw and stuff. So um, the retail isn't done. There's more retail coming. Don't worry. I know I hear the frustration every day, either through Twitter or a DM. Like I can't find Mosaic at my Walmart. Uh, my Target won't doesn't have Optic. Uh, yeah, we, we understand the struggle and we, we do have some product coming out your way. Awesome. Awesome. Um, there are a few other things here. I do want to, yeah, we'll just, uh, Ziggy, I think this is your last comment. So, uh, and Ziggy's asked a ton of great questions tonight. So we want to thank you, Chris, for the time, uh, answering the questions live, standing applause, Jeremy, another amazing episode. Thank you, Ziggy. Clear, but clearly I'm biased. This is my favorite interview ever learned so much. So Chris, that's a testament to you. Thank you for all of your awesome, uh, just for making yourself available to the hobby tonight through sports cards live. I appreciate it. I know the viewers do. And I know sometimes you, you know, you kind of don't know what you're getting here with, with some of the questions and comments. So I tried to keep it as sort of, um, you know, comfortable as we could have it. That's my goal with the guests is always to have my guests be comfortable. I don't like to, uh, you know, just pepper them with questions that they're not able to answer, especially when they work for card companies. It's, I think we got to really be thankful that they're giving us their time coming on the show and talking with with us in the first place, but we're not done yet, Chris. We're going to go for a couple more minutes and we're going to end this thing. Okay. Uh, Irving says, Irving says with no RPS, what will happen going forward with products like contenders football? Uh, well, I think, uh, the football team has a, a strategy and a plan in place. Uh, I don't know if I'm at Liberty to discuss what that is. Um, but, uh, basketball is also, uh, has a contingency plan if there's no rookie photo shoot. Um, I mean, but rest assured there will be, uh, we, we will have memorabilia stuff. We will have autographs, uh, uh, just because a, a photo shoot uh, doesn't happen doesn't mean we're going to stop working. So uh, we're, we're going to do what we can to make sure we have um, all the products going forward for, for next year's stuff, especially with the, the football class the way it is this year with Burroughs and company. You know, uh, we're gonna make, we'll, we'll make sure that the collectors are getting stuff that they, they're wanting. That's awesome. I'm sure collectors will appreciate that. Chris West says, Chris isn't alone going back buying things that were seemingly unobtainable in the 90s. No. No, Chris West. It seems like we're all doing that a little bit nowadays. Um, Steven says, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. is the man. No Darius Garland autographs? Uh, no, he, uh, I think uh, Darius Garland uh, decided to go uh, to a, with a different company, I believe. Uh, kind of like uh, Ben Simmons and Miles Bridges, which is why we didn't have Miles Bridges last year. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I mean, we'd love to have them, um, but, you know, some things that sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Okay. And Irving wants to know any chance of elite black box coming back. Yes. You'll have to wait for Chronicles. Okay. There you go. I love it. And Stefan says, I know you guys are creating hockey products for Kako. Is there any consideration for creating a full non-licensed product for hockey? Uh, you know, we're, we're definitely exploring any of our options, uh, for, you know, for whatever licenses or whatever deals we can get. Uh, I personally, uh, have enjoyed reliving some of the hockey stuff we did with our, with our deal with the uh, Capo Caco and, uh, uh Vitaly Kraftsov. So, I mean, um, we've already released uh, prism, which was fun. Uh, select we did, we released online. Uh, we had contenders up. Uh, and the contenders actually was was came out really nice on card autos. Uh, Prime's up now. I believe next week we are releasing Immaculate Hockey. 
So wow. immaculate has never been done in hockey before. We are going to, we have Capo Caco autos and patches memorabilia uh, for him and Kravtsov. Uh, we're going to have immaculate packs on the Panini website next week. Um, and then after that, we have, I think, Crown Royal hockey is coming. So we're going to bring you back some silhouettes of Caco. Uh, NT, maybe down the line. Uh, there, there's a couple other surprises coming. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it, it's kind of uh, – it, it's sad that we couldn't do these products, you know, when we lost license. But it's, it's really fun getting to create these brands in hockey that we were never able to do before, like uh, – like immaculate so yeah okay okay man um the personal finance dad by the way he has a great i want to just do a couple shout outs quick chris we're going to take a few more comments because they're still rolling in as long as you're good for time are you good for a few more minutes yeah okay thank you so uh i want to let you guys know the personal finance dad whose question is up here right now he has a really awesome channel go check it out he he nice short videos easy to consume uh he says is there a plan to increase print runs moving forward given the demand uh, or is Panini happy with current print run levels? Is this something you're able to speak to? Well, uh, I think uh, our sales team does a does an excellent job determining how much uh, how much product we need to do, make, or you know what we needed to get out on the market as far as retail and hobby. Um, it's not like uh, you know we just like oh hey Zion's super hot, so let's printing as much prism as you want. You know you we have to have means a, a way of moving it. And you don't want to just leave the printers on to make stuff, uh, you know, worthless down the road. So, uh, you know, uh, we, we if we do increase the run, it might be uh, we might have to because there's there's more uh, more more of a market. But I mean, it basically, it boils down to uh, our sales department and the direction we get from them of how much product they need to fulfill what they, they think they can sell. Right, because they're out there talking to the customers who are really the the wholesalers for the most part, and those are the guys that are driving the volumes. They're the ones telling you how many cases they need or how many pallets they need to 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 serve their customers. Right? I don't, I be, and I believe I've learned this in the past, and I think that it's uh it's a pretty interesting that it's it's we have to remember it as a hobby that the guys making these cards are in business. They are not not for profit companies. They are for profit businesses that need to pay their employees and pay their overhead. So we always have to keep that in mind. Um, Irving wants to know out of all the products you've developed or worked on, which one was your favorite to design, pack out and see on the market? Oh, NT hockey. NT hockey will always be my favorite. We had so much, well, I, I personally had so much fun building that set because I was basically, you know, we, we did, I think one of my favorite sets was the, uh, was the Cherry's Treasures, but I got to pair Don Cherry up with some uh, some of the guys that he loved. Uh, and fun fact, uh, when we sent those cards out to Don, we sent all the cards out to Don Cherry first, because you know, because he was the you know the common denominator on the cards. Don Cherry wrote a personalized message to every single one of the players that he was paired with. It was like to Eric, hope you're doing well. Well, you know, to Cam Neely, he wrote a message on our box that we that we had sent to Cherry. So uh, that was one of my favorites by far. And we came up with a lot of ideas uh, when we worked on it, like uh, the treasure chest trifold and quadfold booklets that are still around now that in football is using it. And, uh, you know, we did some other things in that NT hockey set that are that are still around. So uh, that one was uh, that's always going to be my favorite. All right, man. Well, listen, um, 
This has been awesome. We're two hours, 10 minutes. I want to I wanna thank you, Chris, again for uh, taking the time with us tonight, taking the time to prepare with me over the last couple of days and get comfortable here in the studio. Um, to all the viewers, thanks, the guy. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. It's been an awesome episode. Uh, great viewer interaction and comments. So thank you all for that. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining. Thank you for Chris and Panini for bringing more viewers to Sports Cards Live. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do. Uh, the channel just hit 600 subscribers this past week. And uh, so now the march is on to 1,000. Looking forward to getting there. So if you haven't yet, I would definitely appreciate the subscription. And, you know, we have Grant Sandground from Upper Deck, uh, Director of Product Development. I always get that wrong, but Product <laughs> product product well, let me let me bring it up here uh director of product development that is correct grant sandground from upper deck will be joining me on wednesday and then on july the 22nd none other than dr james beckett the most iconic name in the history of sports card collecting will be joining us so thank you again everybody chris you wait right there i'll be with you in a minute thanks everybody for joining we'll see you all again on wednesday and good night Thanks for having me. Thank you, Chris.